Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Critical Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Good, and today I am joined by two extremely special guests. My friends, Caden. How are you doing, Caden? Hey, pleasure to be here. Extremely excited. Oh, I'm excited, too. And Wes. Wes, how are you? Hey, Jimmy. Thanks for having me. I'm super glad to be here. Uh, I am super glad to be here. Now, a lot of people might be wondering, who are these two lovely, fancy men? with their great facial hair. I know you're not thinking about me. If you're listening to the audio version of this, you might be like, no, I wasn't thinking that, but now you are. Uh, (laughs) These are two guys who I have admired on Twitter and through kind of social media in general for being positive, uplifting folk who like to talk about gaming in a nice way. And I really respect it. And I, I like both of them. And I was like, we'll bring both of them on here today to talk about a topic that you know, is um, it's pretty small in scope. It's nothing huge except for the fact that it's pretty much all the biggest games of this past generation. Because we have a new generation on the horizon. These massive machines that are about the size of houses: the Xbox Series X, the PlayStation Five, and probably the Nintendo Switch Pro, which will dominate both of them by being triple the size of either. But basically, today we're gonna go back over, go take a little trip in the past to discuss the biggest games that we we think about in this generation. Will we miss some? Probably. I apologize for that. Also, there will be spoilers for these games. I'm going to kind of like lump them for you guys for each kind of group, PlayStation, Xbox, um, and so on. So that way you guys can look for time codes and things like that. But just so you know, spoilers ahead. They're coming, all right? And we're going to start way back in 2013. We're going to start with the PlayStation catalog of exclusive games which uh, out of these three groups right now, it seems like they have the most exclusive games to begin with. And one that people love so much back in 2013, a long time ago, we're starting with Knack. Oh, boy. oh yeah, the now, big dog right out the gate. I was gonna say, we're gonna start with one of the biggest, <laughs> the biggest game really, it's all downhill after this, uh, but Knack. So uh, I, I know one of you was like, I can't wait to talk about Knack. So yep. uh, I was gonna say, Caden, I think that was you, right? Yeah, yeah, so... Uh... My experience with Knack has been my kid brother played it and loved it because he was like eight or something when he played it. And then when Knack 2 came out, we got it. And the game was such a trash fire that like in the second level after we beat the boss, there's supposed to be a cut scene and then the level ends or it transitions to the next area or something. And it just never loads. So you're soft locked there. And I even like uninstalled the game and reinstalled it. And so like we just couldn't. (laughs) So anyway, let's go back a few years. Um, I lost a bet to a pal of mine. West is on our discord and the, uh, the stakes were the loser had to play knack. (laughs) So, uh, That game, man, I played it for about four hours, which somehow felt like eight hours. And I thought I was nearing the end of the game, and I looked it up, and I was only halfway through the game. Oh, no. I just could not. This game is such a conundrum to me, because you guys probably remember, I believe the game was uh, designed by Mark Cerny, who's the architect for the ps4 and literally the only thing that makes sense about it to me as a ps4 showcase launch title is knack's actual character model because it's composed of like 100 or 200 of these individual little particles and he spontaneously grows when he absorbs more of them and then you know when he gets hit or shrinks they fly all over the place and I think just that one thing was like impressive 
for what the PS4 was capable of doing. And then everything else surrounding that in the game was like something that could have been accomplished on the PS1. Like fixed camera <laughs> angles, fat level design, <laughs> like every enemy you just, you know, button mash square to kill it. Like, I don't know, man. I, I, I just think it's it's a bad game. I would not recommend anyone play it, but what do you guys think? I haven't played it, but I've I've watched some gameplay clips, um, mm. and I've watched some of the clips that you put up when you were uh, playing through <laughs> it not that long ago. Um, what did you think of the story of the game? I was I'm just curious. It, it's like you're fighting some goblins or something like that. Yeah. It's <laughs> both the world, the story, and the art direction are all extremely like disconnected and don't really make any sense together. So like. Goblins exist in this world, so there's this, like, mishmash of, like, modern technology and, like, magic, and basically the twist in the plot is that you, <laughs> I keep wanting to say you, but I'm actually referring to Nack's kid friend, because Nack literally has no personality, and he just sounds like, he he, he sounds like a bouncer played by, like, Ron Perlman, and it's like, how are you this, like, construct of ancient technology and you sound like a bouncer. Like, I don't... <laughs> but anyway, uh, the kid's mom supposedly died by falling into a chasm like 20 years or something. And she actually fell underground into an underground society of goblins. And they forced her to use... Because she's she's like a genius inventor. So they forced her to create like tanks and jets and mechs and shit for them. So they can <laughs> take over like the surface and... Uh, there's also this other guy who's like a Lex Luthor character and he is like so obviously evil and they just drag it out forever and forever before revealing he's evil. And it's just, I don't know. It's, it's really bad and not handled well. And ugh. yeah, it's, it doesn't sound great. Yeah. And then you, and then you got two levels into the sequel and it was, yeah, I couldn't even play it the was game way better. Right. <laughs> oh, one, one other point on that that I'd like to point out is that, Knack has the ability to absorb other materials to compose his body out of. The first one you come across is ice, then there's wood, and then I think there's, like, glass. So, like, when I first got ice Knack, I was like, whoa, this is cool. Like, am I going to get ice powers or something? So, like, literally nothing changes about the game. He just is made <laughs> out of ice now. And then at the end of the level where you play ice Knack, you exit the ice cave into sunlight, and the sunlight just melts your body, and then you go back to being normal knack. And then Perfect. later you, you become wood knack, and then that whole level just has to do with enemies using fire. So the only bonus you get from being made out of wood is that enemies can burn you. So it's like, <laughs> the power-up. Wow, amazing power. Sounds like uh, top game design. Yeah, it just seems like an idea someone had that would be cool, and they just had no idea how to properly execute it. So, well, yeah. obviously, we're starting off on a strong foot here with Knack. Uh, it can only like, get better from like, here. It can only get better from here. Uh, I, I will, my only brief amount of time with Knack was that I uh, was working or just got a job at Best Buy uh, for like that time, and that was like the demo that was like moving around and stuff. So I saw plenty of Knack played at that time. Uh, yeah, just weird, weird launch title game that doesn't seem to go away, and for some reason they want to make it an icon of Sony, yeah. but. Whatever. Uh, I will say this, though. The nice thing is uh, the next year they turned it around a little bit with that famous uh, that gentleman we all know as Delson Rowe in infamous 
second son. Oh yeah, yeah no. that was the that was the real for me the real technical showpiece of yes. the PlayStation Four. Yes. Uh, I remember the first time I saw a, a gameplay video. I think I was watching um, IGN or something like that for the uh, E3 preview, mm. and that was the game that sold me on PlayStation 4, seeing that, seeing those smoke powers, him able to like go through pipes and pop up yeah. out of the, the top onto, and then like turn into smoke and cruise along. Oh, for yeah. sure. It was really cool. I remember uh, watching those videos too. And I remember the reviews they had to like their, <laughs> the embargo or like the restriction on the reviews was you can't show his other two powers. And I remember like watching these things. And I was like, <laughs> what the heck are they? And then uh, it's, they're so strange. Cause you have smoke. And then later on you get like concrete and video, mm. which were like the hidden powers. And there was like another neon power. I think. Neon, it was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah mm. Which was super cool. But I thought it was so funny that they're like, we can't let other people see like the cool hidden powers he has. And then right. when I got to, it was like, it's video and you could like shoot yourself from one satellite to another. And I was like, Oh, mm. this is really cool. And if you're from Seattle, I guess it was like a one-to-one almost or pretty close to one-to-one creation of Seattle itself, which I was like, that's really neat. But I thought it was pretty good. Like I enjoyed the other infamous games and I was like, yeah, second son, man. I thought it was neat. Like Caden, did you have a chance to play it at all yourself? Yeah. Um, I, uh, when I first, uh, moved up here, the first thing I did was save up money to get a PlayStation four. I think it was like two years after it came out or something. And, uh, I think the first two games I got were the Witcher three and, Infamous Second Son, Dude, cool. and uh, I would still recommend people play that game today. I think it holds up. Um, I think the powers that they chose are just so unique. It's mm-hmm. like it sounds weird, but the way it's implemented is really cool, and you never would have seen it in anything else. And just like games like Infamous, or like if you've ever played Prototype, that just give you this huge city, and they let you like literally just fly through the city uh just the like it's worth playing these games just to move around the environment you know same way in like you know spider-man like Mm -hmm. even if there was like no combat just being able to like fly around through the city um but yeah uh again uh like what wes said i think it was like the first game i played that generation this generation and i was like whoa this this is next gen like the especially like the faces in that game i think they are a little dated now, but when they first came out, like the facial capture technology was really crazy. And especially their performances of the cast in that game, I think are really good. Mm-hmm. Um, Delson mm-hmm. and his brother and the uh, the main villain. And yeah, I just... Yeah, yeah I think they, they actually... I mean, Delson looks exactly like Troy Baker. Pretty yeah, much. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, it's pretty much him like, at this point. Here, let's play Troy. Here's your Troy simulator. <laughs> yeah, Wes did, Wes, did you have a favorite power in the game that you recall off the top of your head? Like, was there one that stood um, out to you? I really liked the the initial smoke power. Yeah, and, that's so good. Um, and then I liked, I liked the neon power because it lets you move so much faster. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, totally. Did, did you guys play the uh, the DLC at all? I never have played the. I DLC. think it was called First Light. Yes, I, I didn't play it, but I heard it was really good. Yeah, I, I, I unfortunately also did not play it. I did, I didn't get around to it, but um, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's sitting in my backlog right now. And sitting here talking about it, I'm kind of like, man, I need to go back. Yeah, and I need short, to get to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, first, first light, right? Mm-hmm. Do we say first light, lost light? One of those. It's something. I like, think it's, you know, it's. I think first it's first light. light. First light. Okay. Yeah, yeah I heard it was really good. That was kind of like the precursor to doing like. Sorry, Lost Legacy. That's like the Uncharted where they kind of do like a, it's a small game that's 
kind of like an expansion or its own game off right. from the main thing, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, a nice um, spinoff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, I, I totally agree with you guys, because used to be Ratchet and Clank was a little bit, to me, like the technical showcase games, and they still are, and there's some Ratchet games that came out this generation we won't probably dive too into, but like, I felt like this one, and we'll get back to Sucker Punch, don't you worry, but Infamous <laughs> Second Son was totally, definitely that was like, wow, look at this, or when he did that kind of like dive bomb thing, and you know, yeah, like you shoot up in the air, and yeah, like, yeah, it was cool. Face got really close to the camera, <laughs> yeah, and was like, go down and just like smash everything. Oh, like, dude, when you yeah. got the concrete ability, and you literally just like become Juggernaut from X Men, yeah. and you're just like, <laughs> do, 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 and just everybody in your way is just smashed out of the way i know this is like making me want to replay that game because i forgot how fun the powers are (laughs) that's the point that's the hope right um yes we're 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 sponsored today by sony no i'm just kidding uh (laughs) and then uh something came in 2015 a game that caused me a lot of strife uh caused a lot of people to be really happy they look back on it fondly i'm talking about the one and only kind of spin-off successor but also in the middle of the souls franchise the one and only bloodborne uh, the one okay. 2015. I've... You guys are familiar with this one, right? Just a little right, bit. I've prepared a 50-page essay on. Yeah, I've got my. Uh, <laughs> All right, I'll start the my hunter clock. statue here for you to. Uh, oh, I'm showing it off. I'm showing it off. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so I'm gonna start with you, Wes. What is it about Bloodborne that is endearing to you still? Oh man, the atmosphere in that game is some of the best. Like best atmosphere that i've had that i've experienced in really any game i mean i just love the setting i love the the gothic setting of yarnum and um you look in the sky and there's just this all this cloud cover going across the moon at one point the moon's like full it's like blood red um it's just really heavy but you are the hunter i mean you aren't like the enemies are are terrifying and they're disturbing and they're gross but you are the one that's out there hunting them and it it's just uh, an amazing feeling going through and um some of those boss fights in that game are some of the most intense boss fights i've ever had and overcoming those i mean there were extreme challenges um going into those the first fight um that you have against the first mandatory boss, Father Gascoigne. I don't, I can't tell you how many times I died to that guy, but, mm-hmm. but finally finishing him off was like this huge, just, hit, yeah, exactly. And, and you're just like jumping <laughs> up and down on the couch. Like um, controller almost flew out of my hand, mm-hmm. you know? And <laughs> yeah, just, um, just a great feeling. And um, I love the way that, that from software games, um, they really they, like they, they create these generally, you know, open worlds. You, obviously there's fast travel and whatnot. You can, you can go between points after you find the lamps, um, but you can run from one location through the next, but all of the locations are very distinct and they're very kind of like levelish. Mm-hmm. And um, I really feel the uh, you, you can take it in chunks, even though it's incredibly difficult and you can work and set yourself a goal. Okay. Now I'm going to, I'm going to work the next lamp. I'm going to work to the next boss. And um, Bloodborne did that so well. And it was so much faster. The gameplay was so much faster than Dark Souls uh, one and two, which came before it. Um, And um, it just really made everything feel so much better being able to be so much more mobile and jumping around. And I just love it. Sure. Yeah. All right, Caden, it's your turn. Cause I know you want to talk about this <laughs> thing uh, as much as Wes uh, does. 
Just jumping right off um, the gameplay, uh, just that simple mechanic of when you get hit, you have a couple seconds to attack any enemy and regain the health that you lost. And from a design ethos, that's like really similar to me to the gameplay in uh, Doom and Doom Eternal, where you're constantly being incentivized and rewarded to move toward the enemy. And uh, a similar thing is going on in Bloodborne compared to Dark Souls, where you can really, uh, you know, they call it turtling. You know, you're like slowly walking around with a shield and like mm -hmm. poking from behind your shield. <laughs> but uh, they even like throw it in your face at the beginning of the game because uh, one of the first items you find is a shield that's made out of rotted planks and it's completely <laughs> useless and you never find another shield in the entire game. And it's like, yeah, shields are shields are useless in this game. It's like, you know, but uh, yeah, besides the gameplay, I mean, um, I'm a really big... Um, HP Lovecraft fan, or, well, you know, respect the art, not the artist, I guess I should say. I'm a fan of his stories, even though he was a racist asshole in real life. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, I grew up reading that. Um, my dad was really in all this stuff, and um, horror movies based off of um, Lovecraft-related things, like The Thing, Cosmic Horror, all that kind of stuff. And um, even though there are other games that are directly based off of Lovecraft stories, I feel like Bloodborne is the best, like, Lovecraft slash cosmic horror related game that's ever been made. And just soaking in that atmosphere and environment, like, if you're a fan of that stuff, it's, it's just phenomenal. And I even feel like the world design is so good that you know it'll draw in newcomers to that genre but mm -hmm. um i there's just this this whole meta thing going on around bloodborne that is incredible to me where in the story you've got um this dichotomy between people who want to use this blood of these old gods to transcend uh their physical form into godhood but then you have another group of thinkers who feel that that's not the way and the way is to gain insight or as the characters say in the game you know grant us eyes so you've got people that are consuming this blood and it's causing them to mutate into beast forms and then you have other people that are gaining knowledge basically of like the underlying like framework of reality and that everything's like a dream in the mind of like these old ones. And there's even this conversation you can have with um, the character who he, he's kind of like the guy in the hub who supplies you with like weapons in the workshop and stuff. And there's a conversation you can have with him where you go talk to him and he says something along the lines of, you know, like, oh, you're not sure what you're supposed to be doing? Well, just go out there and kill some beasts because, after all, that's what hunters do. So there's this, like, level in both the narrative and in the player's mind where if all you're there to do is just to kill monsters and overcome the boss fights, that's still an amazing experience. And uh, if that's all you get out of it, then that's great. But then there's this other, like, layer to both the story and the player's experience where you can, you know, dive into the lore and learn more about the world and figure out why things are the way they are and what's happened and, 
what these creatures are and i don't know it's it's a little bit hard to explain but like it's just like a phenomenal experience and like a really cool like meta activity going on but yeah yeah I, yeah there's I, there's there's a lot there and if you do want to dive into that meta i mean you do have to do a lot of digging and it's not really obvious mm-hmm. but there's a lot of really good lore videos online to watch um yeah. and that of people that that really kind of give you the info dump and explain mm-hmm. it really well um but yeah it's it's a really cool story um even though it's not always obvious what's going on while you're playing the game sure. which some people might be critical about but um i i I kind of dig. Uh, I will say about Bloodborne, um, it has some of my favorite enemy designs in any video game ever. Some of the boss designs in that game are just, you know, really super interesting and gross and unique. And um, specifically in the in the DLC, I think oh, yeah. to uh, to um, Ludwig. Yeah. Wow. That that uh... that design is just. I mean, he's a monstrosity, but he's so awesome. <laughs> I think that's the hardest boss fight in the entire game. Uh, I think Orphan of Coast is probably a little bit harder, yeah. but but Ludwig is, is definitely hard. And that DLC is um, is really awesome. It adds so much. It yeah. adds so many cool new weapons. And um, I think that's one of the best it. like expansions I've ever played in a game. Certainly yeah. in the Souls games, it's the best, but overall just in video games. Yeah, and I, I don't want to tarry on it too much longer because I know we have a lot of games to mm-hmm. discuss, but um, people that clamor for um, a 3D Castlevania game, um, <sighs> if, you play, if you play Kanehurst Castle in Bloodborne, that's like perfection, the, the closest mm-hmm. that you could come for what's available right now, and it's, it's just amazing. I have uh, one more thing before we move on. Okay. Um, just a testament to the world design and story in that game. Um, my wife, uh, she's also kind of obsessed with like horror and like, you know, Lovecraft and cosmic horror type stuff. So she's extremely attracted to the world of Bloodborne, but she's not really um, much of a gamer. Like she does play video games, but only here and there, like a game will catch her attention and she gets really attached to it. Um, so um something like bloodborne that's extremely challenging is not really her thing but um she was so interested in it that she's started listening to lore videos on youtube of people explaining the store and lore of the game just for fun like not even having played the game like that's how good the world design and story is in this game you know so just want to throw that out there cool yeah i have like um probably four or five friends that are going through the game right now that mm-hmm. either never played it when it first came out or like jumped into it, felt a little bit overwhelmed, put it aside, but they've, they've, they're all jumping back in and they're all playing through it right now. And just seeing their posts, like, Oh, I just killed the cleric. I did it. Oh, ah. I, just, I just got the witches of Hemwick. You know, it's, it's been so just fun and, um, just inspirational seeing them tackling these challenges that they that they were so intimidated by for so long and jumping in and they're having a great time with it and they're like i can see why people love this game this is (laughs) fantastic and i'm like oh yeah you guys you're just this warms the warms my heart you know (laughs) well i'm glad i obviously i've talked about it many times here on the show and we're going to keep it positive because this is something i want to do uh Except i had what i said about knack sorry so he said sorry knack mark <laughs> mark cerny is a friend of the show 
it's fine. He's going to be cool with it. Um, but yeah, I had some memorable moments in there too. And a lot of your stuff rings true with a lot of people who are, who are listening to this, hopefully. So uh, yeah, maybe because I'm not the biggest Souls fan, I'm not going to get into it, but I'm glad that you guys love it. And I respect the fact that you guys still love it to this day. And it still seems to be the one Souls game. You know, we had Sekiro come out uh, yep. later on, but it still seems to be the one besides like even in amongst you know dark souls the one that people go back to because it seems like it stands out so much and people are just waiting for that sequel and i really really think at some point maybe but it depends on the whole kind of it can't be cross-platform or i don't know if sony actually owns like the name and stuff so maybe that's why they haven't made another one because you know as from software wants to be a company that grows it's hard to Mm -hmm. be like well we're making a we're pouring tons of you know money and time into a franchise that can be on one console as opposed to four so We'll see. Bloodborne 2 is not impossible, though. It's not impossible. Keep our, keep our fingers crossed, for keep, sure. Keep them yeah. crossed. Yeah, keep keep your... your I was going to say, keep your, <laughs> yeah, keep your switch. Uh, not switch axe. That's that's Monster Hunter. Keep your keep your, um, <laughs> your trick weapons crossed and all that, whatever. Uh, which, um, speaking about Japan, and I don't... This might be a release that was in Japan. I don't know if it was formally here. Uh, I think it was back on PlayStation. But this is also 2015. A series that I'm new to. I've only played a little bit of it. I'm talking Yakuza 0, mm-hmm. a game oh, that yeah. the Yakuza franchise making its mark here in the West, along with some other big Japanese franchises. And Yakuza is such a weird, cool thing to get into. But there are so many of those games. It's like, oh, yeah. my yeah. gosh. Uh, but I love that Yakuza 0 is kind of like at the beginning of right now, a little bit of like the timeline, even though there are games that are set hundreds of years, I guess, before even Yakuza 0. But yeah, I've only played a little bit. I don't know what your guys' experiences with the franchise, but that's the one that came out in 2015 and uh, yeah, was one I've, I gotta mention. I've played, uh, well, I've played several Yakuza games and I really love the franchise. So I um, I was influenced to jump into Zero. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big uh, Easy Allies fan. Sure. And so uh, Ben Moore and uh, Brad Ellis and Michael Huber over there, listening to those guys just gush about yakuza i'm like okay i gotta i gotta see what this is all about so i ended up uh buying zero and honestly it's one of my favorite games this generation um it's uh to the point where i had never played any of the other games before before zero and i now own uh yakuza zero through six and um and the uh the spinoff judgment uh, so I, I ended up buying seven or sorry, eight games, you know, in that, in that franchise, basically just because that, that first game really got, and it does such a great job of getting you in the door, mm-hmm. um, because it is, it is kind of intimidating because there are so many games, but, um, zero it's, you know, basically the first, uh, chronologically in the story, it gives a great introduction to the characters and, and the world. Um, I don't know if you guys have, well, sounds like you haven't maybe played it, but it's an open world game, but not in the sense of like you're going and really um, you're not like going into a lot of buildings, climbing through places. It's you're basically outside for most of the time, walking around uh, the streets of Kamurocho, which is um, this uh, fictional city in, in Japan. Um, but it's all modeled after, um, you know, a real city. And um, there's different districts and you walk around and um, the, the main story of Yakuza is this really kind of hard boiled, very serious, dramatic um, gangster story, you know, about uh, in zero specifically, there's a, 
there's this real estate deal going down and it's like pivotal to the future of the city. And this one, uh, you know, character, uh, gets kind of the main character gets kind of embroiled in, in what's going on and has to protect the, the, the real person that's due to inherit this land for this property. And anyway, um, it's very, very serious and very dramatic. Um, but the great part about Yakuza is all the side content. There's so much to do in that game. There's so many um, uh, uh, side games you can do. You can play Mahjong. You can go bowling. You can um, play, ba- you know, go to the batting cages. You can, there's this whole slot car uh, game that you can play oh, where cool. you can like make your own slot car and put different parts in and swap them out. And there's missions in, around all of those things um, that, you know, get you money that you can use to like help level your character up and stuff. And then there's the side events, which are just completely off the wall and zany um, where you're, you're doing things like um, helping, uh, helping to catch like a a panty thief Mm -hmm. or like um, someone's kid that got um, like pulled into this cult and they send you an undercover (laughs) to the cult and you know, and there's like a, a real estate mini game where you're like, um, kind of taking over the city with buying and selling real estate and a cabaret club mini game. And it's, you can spend as much or as little time doing that stuff as you want to in between the, the main stories. Um, and it's really a huge amount of content, but it's all so fun and so um, interesting and, um, and funny. There's yeah. a lot of humor in those games. Some of the best humor in any game that I've ever played. And, and it, I just loved it. So I, I went from that and I jumped into Kiwami 1 and went from there into Kiwami 2. And uh, yeah, it's a great time. That's wow. cool. I, I was say, Caden, what's your kind of history with it, if um, any? Yeah, so I've never played any of them. But uh, yeah, just um, I also consume a lot of the Easy Allies. So I've gotten a lot of, you know. Uh... <laughs> Through osmosis. Yeah, Osmo. I don't know what the verb for that is. Anyway, uh, (laughs) I I don't think I can think of another fan base that is so like excited for the games and like universally. It's like almost anyone I hear that has played Yakuza just university universally is extremely ecstatic about it and like loves it with like every fiber of their being. So it's like if you if you bother to play the game it seems like it's going to sink its hooks into you um i'm always hesitant to play games like that because i just prefer more like fantasy or sci-fi um like less of like a realistic setting um but uh yeah i've got nothing but respect for the game and so your um, your chance is coming up because yakuza 7 is coming out next month and yes. that is playing completely different than the other I'm games. I'm very interested in this one because it's a standalone story and it's turn-based. So this might be the one to jump in on. Yeah, but, and, it, uh, and the main character basically like fantasizes the whole time, his whole way through it into like thinking he's like a Dragon Quest character or something right. like that. <laughs> it I've looks so a, off the wall. They're just doing crazy stuff with the abilities. Like you have an ability to like, summon like an orbital like satellite laser to like vaporize your enemies in turn-based combat you know <laughs> it's just like you know it's a, a yakuza gang member just fighting street thugs or whatever but here comes an orbital laser mm-hmm. but uh yeah um i recently there's somewhere i heard someone i think it might have been in like the community showcase for easy allies or something someone had said that they 
this year it started the Yakuza series and they were so hooked by it. They literally played the entire series zero through six back to back. Wow. And I was just like, wow. Like, yeah, it must really be good to be able to do that. I can't imagine doing that with like any other series really. Yeah. So. Well, uh, I'll say Wes, I think you said it best. Uh, it's just, it's a game that, you know, straddles this weird line or does these kind of knee jerk changes between super serious, but then really jokey and somehow it works. It really plays well. And I don't know if that's like kind of Japanese games a little bit more. Cause like, you know, American or Western games don't really do that as much or as uh, deftly. But for some yeah. odd reason, Kiryu, I just, I, I, you're like, this guy's so serious. But then also, then he's like doing karaoke. And you're like, you're like, you're doing it, man. You're like, it's just, <laughs> it's a good game. It's good. And I like, yeah, I, I want to get into it more. The humor is very hokey, you know, mm. but it's, 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 it's like very, it's almost like self-aware in that way. You know, yeah. it, it, it's like, you kind of know what you're getting going into it. And Kiryu's just kind of like along for the ride. You yeah. know, he's kind of like a, like just a good guy, even though he's like, was working for the mob or whatever. He's, he's, he's got like a, a heart of gold. Yeah. And so he just like ends up going, going along for all of this stuff, you know, that he gets caught up in. Um, and the really cool thing about, well, there's two, two cool things that I really appreciate about Yakuza. I've never been to Japan, but if I ever wanted to feel like I, went to Japan, I would play Yakuza mm. because it is, you know, as close to an experience about walking through a main mainline city in Japan as you can get. Um, a lot of the stores that you can go into are real stores. Oh, wow. Like Don Quixote and some of the others, um, uh, restaurants and stuff there that you can go into. Um, I also really love the fact that um, before this generation, I mean, Yakuza games have been coming out. Um I think Yakuza one through five, like I think it started on PlayStation one and, or it might've been two. I don't remember, but you know, um, ended up five, I think came out on PS two. I think it was digital only. Um, and the series never really got a lot of traction, but, um, starting with zero for some reason, that title really sucked in a lot of people. Yeah. And it really got people interested in this series that, previously you know it was kind of a niche thing mm-hmm. to the point where now it's it's um i'd still say it's it's probably niche but um but it's very much more well known yeah and mm-hmm. and very much more respected now than it was in the last you know 10 years that it's been out which oh. is really cool oh totally totally yeah and we'll we'll talk about another franchise or two soon where that's kind of the same case which is crazy it's like yeah, these japanese developers are like yep we've been making these games for like more than a decade and i'm glad you finally showed up thank you uh (laughs) speaking of a game franchise that's been around for not maybe as long as that but one that did come up next because we should probably move on uh in 2016 though a game i feel bad i haven't played yet i'm so sorry but that is uncharted 4 a Mm. thief's end oh my gosh grapple hooks am i right baby um yeah (laughs) grapple hooks all right so gentlemen uh i'm gonna start caden with you this time uncharted four like where where do you sit where do you sit with this one so uh this is another game i haven't played and i think that's because uh i came late to uncharted i think like uncharted one two and three were all out mm-hmm. before i started playing the series and i think i probably just got the collection that was uncharted one two and three um i can't remember if that was on ps3 or if they ported that collection to ps4 they do i've got it on ps4 it. yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um so uh, 
I, I played through those three games back to back pretty much. And um, I think I just really did not enjoy the third game. Um, I think it had a, I had an issue with the narrative because what was interesting to me in the first two games is that there was like actually like an element of supernaturalness going on, like with the weird, like Nazi zombie monsters. Mm -hmm. And then you have like the immortal people with like the tree sap in the Mm -hmm. second game. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was something I was just expecting out of the third game. Um, And then, you know, they've got this whole thing where you're fighting these like gin and uh, it turns out the whole thing's just a hallucination from like a drug in this water and none of it was real. And I was like, well, that's kind of lame. And I had like kind of a similar issue with like the more recent or uh, Tomb Raider games or like the original trilogy on PS1 have like a lot of supernatural shit going on and they just like downplay that. And I don't know, I think I, I must have just got burnout on Uncharted, but sure. um, so I, I never had any interest in playing Uncharted 4, but I, I've definitely seen a lot of it and heard a lot of people talking about it. And it seems like they did a lot of really cool stuff with the game design. That kind of makes me more interested to try it out if I ever make the time, like this sort of semi-open world environment that like lets you kind of tackle puzzles in like the order you want. And even from a game design perspective with the puzzles, apparently they, I've heard that the challenge level of the puzzles actually is modular depending on what order you do them so like if you do them uh like each one of the puzzles has like basically like an easy and medium and hard version of it so no matter what order you do it in you you have like this like increasing challenge um so that that does seem really cool and um yeah i've definitely only heard good things about the game so sure wes how about you where do you sit uh uncharted 4 is my favorite uncharted game wow here Um, we go yes I think, though, that the reason it's my favorite is because I have played the other games. Um, I think if you were to jump into Uncharted 4 without having played at least, you know, Uncharted 2 and maybe 3, um, it doesn't mean as much. And that just comes from the story. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the story does such uh, a great job of basically giving you, of wrapping up Drake's story and everything that's that's come before in the other games um, it really focuses in on his relationship with Elena. Um, and um, it obviously introduces a new character into the game, Sam, uh, his brother, um, who the series hadn't mentioned at all before, <clears throat> but it tells you why it goes into that. Um, and um, the way that, this, that everything wraps up, um, the, the, the difficulties and the personal relationship between Drake and Elena and Sam and um, and Sully and Chloe and all the other characters that have been in the series, um, it just wraps up so well. Um, and the 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 epilogue of the game, especially, was just really endearing and heart and heartwarming. Um, it basically jumps forward a number of years, and and uh, I won't spoil it, but it's it's uh, it's very good. Um, I thought that the gameplay in four was probably the the best and most fun that I've I've had in in the uh, in the series um, the shooting was felt tighter um, and I know that naughty dog gets uh, a lot of uh, crap about the the shooting in uncharted that it's not good I personally don't mind it I, I kind of like it but um, it was definitely fun you mentioned the grappling hook earlier I think that was a great ad with the gameplay um, 
Uncharted is very run and gun, mm-hmm. um, what, the way that I play it. And so being able to like jump off a cliff, grapple, swing, you know, jump down, slam a dude in the face, knock him out, hide in some bushes. There was a lot of good stealth elements that they added in here where you could hide, sneak up on characters. Um, I thought that was really well done. And I like the way that they um, incorporated some more open world elements. There's some very large open spaces that you can drive around and do some side objectives in. Uh, solving some of the puzzles um, where you're cruising around in a Jeep and whatnot. And I like the way that they did that too. And um, it, I think it was overall, it was just a really well told story that really wrapped up the, this, um, this, uh, the legacy of the series, um, the lost legacy, if you will. Ah, <laughs> well done. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. And I, and I like the new characters that they added. I like Sam. Uh, he was very likable. Um and uh, Nadine Ross uh, mm-hmm. also uh, was a good character, obviously that appeared um, in Lost Legacy. So, um, so yeah, overall, I, I thought Uncharted Four was great. I mean, it's it's just a super fun game to play. The story's good, and uh, the only thing I didn't really like about it was the villain. Okay. Um, but that's a nitpick, you know. Sure. So. Uncharted's never necessarily been known for having super duper strong villains. Like I think. Three might have been one of their more interesting ones, but the other ones are kind of just yeah. Box I really can't remember any of them. Yeah, they're not. The, I, the one I like, the one thing I like about the one from two, the one with like the tree sap guy, he says like when Drake gets up there, it's that ludo narrative dissonance, and he calls him on it. He's like, "How many people did you kill on the way up here to get me?" He's like, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, "Oh, you're so right. I've killed so many." Um, <laughs> and Drake's like, he's like, "It's a good dude," but the game also because it's like T. For the most part, it's like not as like graphic, you know, as some of the other games that Naughty Dog mm-hmm. is known for now. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I got to circle back to that one eventually because that's a game that I'd be much more inclined to pay. Um, I'm sure it was totally worth the full price, but for me, I'm like, I'd rather pay like twenty bucks to come and you know to it years later and just kind of play it once and be done and be like, yeah, you did it. So and um, Lost Legacy is also very good. Yes. Um, so if you don't want to jump into Uncharted 4 and want something a little more bite-sized, um, I think Lost Legacy is is great, too. That's my probably second favorite Uncharted game. Yeah, nice. Chloe, man. Who Never enough Chloe, man. I just feel like she could be her own Lost, like her own Uncharted like trilogy. I just, I really yeah, like I hope Chloe, that they, man. I hope that they move, if they do move forward with Uncharted, I, I think that would be a great direction to take it. Yeah, take nice. Chloe. Chloe, do it. Uh, well, now we get to move to uh, something a little more, I don't know if I call it divisive, a game that was either your game of the year or one that you just didn't want to talk about, uh, which was 2016's The Last Guardian. Oh, uh, and for people who don't know The Last Guardian from Team uh, Ico, Ico, however you want to say it, uh, a, a kind of a legendary group now known mostly for their second game, The Shadow of the Colossus. Uh, and now we come back to this uh, kind of interesting art style that they're known for, and you play as like a a little boy who has this big kind of dog slash griffin slash monster friend that you're kind of trying to traverse the world with. And I know that you guys, when I brought this one up, you're like, oh, we should talk about The Last Guardian because yeah. it was still, it was appearing as a lot of like game of the year for a lot of yeah. people. And some other yeah. people are like, this is not good at all. So <laughs> I'm really curious. Uh, Wes, I want to start with you on this one. What was it about The Last Guardian that is maybe memorable to you? Uh, well, uh, the good with the bad. <laughs> either, either. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll start with the good because I, I like to be positive. Yeah. But um, I, I thought that the um, the relationship 
between uh, the boy and Trico, the bird dog, um, or Griffin or whatever it is. Uh, I thought that was very endearing and very well done. Um, it's uh, the way that they help each other uh, through the world, I thought was was really great. Um, obviously, the uh, I remember the music was very good and the world was interesting that they created. But, oh boy, that gameplay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I rarely... Um, I rarely drop a game if I if I start a game, and I drop the Last Guardian. I could not. I I think oh, I got maybe maybe three or four hours into that game, and I just couldn't. It was really frustrating. Um, you give you you know you obviously you don't have direct control over over the Griffin over Trico, um, and so you're basically suggesting that he you know do things, trying to call him over, and then the the AI is supposed to react in, in a way that, you know, is helpful in the situation that you're in, but more times than not, um, either it just didn't listen at all, or it didn't do the thing that it was supposed to do. Like, it's like staring you straight at the face. Okay. I know exactly what I'm supposed to do here. I'm standing where I'm supposed to stand at. I'm hitting the button to call Trico over and it's just not working. And okay. I, I just, I just got so frustrated with it that I, I just, I couldn't move forward. It wasn't, it wasn't worth it. It was, it was making me tear out, you know, sort of <laughs> few, few hairs left on my head. So I had to, uh, unfortunately, uh, shelve that one. So, well, you heard it here first, folks. He's calling, uh, the last guardian. Hey, you Pikachu 2.0. So uh, just yelling <laughs> these commands at Trico. You're like, get over here. Trico's just kind of looking around. You're like, yeah. Where's my scorpion spear? Dude, exactly. You know? Yeah. Get over here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Uh Kate, how about you, man? I was gonna say, it sounds like you you kinda have some love for this, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I do. Um which probably has more to do with my love for Eco and Shadow of the Colossus than sure. Last Guardian. But uh yeah, the controls in this game. There's also just like a really obtuse method of interacting with Trico. Like, you can make your character do these strange, like, actions. Like, there's one where he just stands in place and, like, stamps his feet. There's one where you, like, point. There's one where you just, like, jump. And it's like, the game never explicitly tells you what exactly it is that those actions are supposed to be telling Trico to do. So... Even by the end of the game, there's still this element of you not even being really sure how to tell Trico what you want it to do. <laughs> but uh, um, I, I'd almost like recommend anyone who's interested in this game just to watch a full playthrough instead of playing it yourself. Because similarly to um, the Souls games, I think there's a lot of parallels between the storytelling style in the souls games in the last guardian where the world is extremely interesting to me anyway and it does not like really explicitly tell you what's going on and you have to kind of draw your own conclusion from context clues like in the souls games and i don't know that's just like a style of storytelling that i find really addictive it just like spurs me to dig more into the game world but um the worlds that team eco created are so they just feel so unlike anything 
felt in any other game. It's such a unique feeling environment and world and like even the architecture. And there's this element of like that the games may be tied together in some way and the fans debate about that. And um, yeah, I, even for us, I'd recommend like watching the rest of the game because where it goes is so interesting and bizarre. You essentially mm-hmm. like find this, ancient structure you you don't know if it's alien or if it's like ancient civilization or what and it's actually um like seemingly genetically designed and created the trico creatures and the tricos are going out into the world and kidnapping humans and using them as an energy source to feed to this ancient structure there there's like this um they call it, I think they call it the master in the game. And it's this inhuman, like spherical being. You almost get the sense that it's some kind of like ancient or alien, like supercomputer, self aware AI thing. And like the point of the Tricos is they go out to turn humans into an energy source for it. And like, it's just like, ugh. there's like this room in the tower where there's what appears to be a humanoid sarcophagus, except for it's like gigantic it's like whatever being inside of it would be like 50 feet tall or something and like your brain's just like racing with all these like ideas and theories about what's going on and that kind of stuff just really draws me in and i find fascinating and also i think you'll appreciate it anyone who's listening if you're a fan of um uh, nausicaa of the valley of the wind either the manga or the, the anime because uh there's some extremely obvious like parallels and inspiration to some events that happen in Nausicaa. And, Does Trico um, turn into a giant bug? <laughs> no, it doesn't have to be great though. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's frustrating because I think like the world and like the world building and the story are just phenomenal and really draw you in, and then you're just let down by the gameplay because. I also, it's frustrating to think about too, because what they managed to accomplish with Trico, I think is in a way uh, praiseworthy because it really did feel like he's an animal and you're trying to figure out how to get this animal to understand what it is you want it to do, which from a technological standpoint is an amazing thing, but from a gameplay standpoint, it's a horrible thing because that just makes bad gameplay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I did, I, I felt like I knew who Trico was. Like I had this like relationship with Trico by the end of the game. And it's, you know, it's just kind of a funny thing because in real life, you know, difficulties and misunderstandings are like part of building a relationship. But yeah, it makes a bad game. So yeah, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you people. Watch, watch a playthrough. <laughs> I, I, that does sound super compelling though. And I, I didn't obviously yeah. didn't get far enough into the game to get to that. All of that sounds like really cool stuff. So yeah. um, <laughs> knowing that now, yeah, definitely. I might go back yeah. and check that out. Oh, I'd like to give a shout out to a YouTuber. Um, I think his name is Max Darrett and that's just the name of his YouTube channel. It's spelled like D-E-R-R-A-T. He does these fantastic lore analysis videos of games with notoriously esoteric lore like Silent Hill or um, the Team Eco games. And he has some really amazing videos on uh, The Last Guardian. So if you if you played the game and you're curious about that kind of thing, I'd recommend Max Derrett's YouTube channel. 
All right. Well, there you go. Last Guardian. Great and also horrible. Uh, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, you know, for people who are listening to this, a lot of people who might like, who are like Caden and like, um, like kind of diving and trying to find more lore. I'm the exact opposite type of person. Mm-hmm. I usually hate having like extra homework to do. And they're like, you have to watch three hours of lore videos to understand this. I'm like, yeah. why do I have to do like, it's like, you're, <laughs> hey, you're in Yarnum. Do you know why it's so sad here? And I'm like, no, but I don't want to. It's um, <laughs> like, I got to get out of here. Uh, but I respect the fact that you love that and it makes you want to learn more usually i see stuff like that in games i'm like i bet there's a story about that and then i just like head i'm like well gotta keep going Mm -hmm. so um but yeah last guardian is such a weird it was such a weird game and it came out and it was like during an interesting year too where a lot of people like i said it was like either you're it was the best of the best or people were like don't even i don't want to deal with it it was just that last level where you play as trico and and try to get the little boy to do what you want him to do i'm just kidding i'm just (laughs) kidding wouldn't that have been great oh my gosh people would have been like "Ah." um this next one though i do want to bring up because this was one i think caden you said this is the beginning of 2017 going into a new year here gravity rush 2 which I played the demo of and I thought this game is nuts because basically I was like, oh, it's a third person action game. And then you'd hit a button and your person would fly through the air like feet first. (laughs) And I was like, and it would take you like across this huge like open sky map with all these little kind of like, there's like a cafe and stuff. I was like, what is it? happening here so uh i know you said you wanted to talk a little bit about gravity rush 2 so here's your chance to do so i just think that gravity rush and gravity rush 2 are some of the like most criminally underrated games out there and yeah first of all i agree yeah it's just phenomenal that we even got a gravity rush 2 and i came really late to gravity rush um i only learned about it after they ported it to ps4 you know i probably just saw it on like psn or something and was like oh what is this and started researching it and i just it's one of those games where it's like nobody's played it but everybody who's played it is like this is the greatest thing ever Mm -hmm. so i decided to give the original gravity rush a shot and uh firstly that's an amazing port um it's like one of the like most high quality ports i've ever played they just did a really amazing job porting it because the original game was on the ps vita um, or yeah. PSP, yeah, and uh, they just did a really good job making it feel like, um, you know, a PS4 game. It wasn't just like a straight port. They kind of like redid some of the like graphics rendering and all that kind of stuff. But um, for that game and Gravity Rush 2, uh, it's just another game that I feel like provides an experience that you can't find anywhere else. So um, like you said, Jimmy, the world, it's this huge open world, but the entire world is composed of floating islands. Um, and the main character's ability is that she can change gravity, but only in relation to herself. So she essentially can fly by making gravity like up instead of down. And then you just start falling up and it's just like, essentially you're just flying and it's like, how many games have let you fly in an open world, but putting that twist on it, it makes it feel so fresh and unique. And just the moment-to-moment gameplay of flying by falling to get around is so addictive and freeing. And like uh, this, this is um, something I'd say about um, uh, Marvel's Spider-Man on PS4. Just the act of traversing the environment is a joy in that game. Like that's another game that I'd never used fast travel in because it's so fun just to traverse. Um, and that game 
everything about it just feels unique. It's like <clears throat> the main gameplay hook is unique. The world is unique. The story is unique. The enemies are unique. And it also has both games have a phenomenal soundtrack. Like you should just listen to the soundtrack to Gravity Rush one and two. And uh, I I don't I don't know what else to say. Like you just you need to play Gravity Rush one and two. Like they're phenomenal. Like easy nine out of ten, ten out of ten. I don't know. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Well, now Wes sounds like you're kind of uh, reverberating this, or it resonates with you as well. Yeah, I love Gravity Rush, um, and I wholeheartedly agree. It. I mean, they are really really underplayed. Um, and honestly, Caden did a really good job of kind of wrapping up kind of my feelings on the game as well. I mean, the traversal system is, like he said, wholly unique. Um, it does take some time to get used to it. I think the game does a pretty pretty good job of, of easing you in, um, but it's not like when you're falling, you, you don't have like directional control. You start falling and basically, <clears throat> excuse me, you have to basically suspend gravity for yourself again. So you'll be falling. You can hit the button anytime to, to make Cat, the main character, kind of like stop and float and reorient the camera and then hit the button again and she'll start falling in a different direction. So you're not like, it's not really like true flight. It, it is you are falling. Um, but um, they do a lot with the uh, with the combat in that game too, which is surprisingly, surprisingly good where you basically like just fall super fast into enemies to like hit them yeah. harder. <laughs> um the enemies are, are all um, pretty cool-looking, like, sludge eye monsters. Uh, um, there's a lot of other cool characters in the game. Uh, Raven, who is kind of like Cat's counterpart, who can do uh, kind of similar stuff to her. Um, it's a very cool... If, if you like anime, it's a very cool... It's got a very cool anime aesthetic. Mm -hmm. And as a matter of fact, I've always thought, like, if you're going to take a video game and turn it into an anime, there's no better video game for that than, than Gravity Rush. Because it's just the the designs are great. The story would work so well for that. The powers are cool. They work so well for that. And a lot yeah. of the cutscenes are very are in a very kind of anime style, which is very neat. Which is very neat. Um, yeah, it's just it's a great game, and um, it's unfortunate that more people haven't um, haven't tried it. Yeah, I think I don't know if it's still out there, but there was a demo for Gravity Rush Two out there for a bit, so you should try to find that if you can. Another way I would kind of ex describe it too is like you're kind of like a magnet almost, where it's kind of like you're yeah. you're almost pulling yourself towards things. So, but it's, <clears throat> if you just watch a video for two for just a second, you'll be like, "Wow, this is there's nothing else quite like it." Even I can understand that. I'm like, "Yeah, this is cool. This is nuts." Uh, and 2017 was just the beginning of not necessarily one of the, the greatest years of video game history, but the, the start of some other insane things. And that is the start of one of the two games that made me get a PlayStation 4. And that is one game with a weird title, Horizon Zero Dawn. Yes. Everybody remembers it. You know, it's the one where you're shooting robot dinosaurs with a bow and arrow. Seems like a good idea. Um, yeah, there's more to it than that. But uh, I don't know about you guys. That's a game that still resonates with me. Don't mm -hmm. ask me what the story was because I just I don't remember. There's a lot of audio logs uh, and I feel because there's like people out there who are like, it's a great story. I'm like, I don't remember. I just remember Aloy and she wanted to figure out what happened to the world. Uh, but the 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 fighting, the combat in that game um, is the one thing I think that uh, and we'll probably talk a little bit about it later. But it came out about a month. Is it before Breath of the Wild or something yeah. like that? And I think that's Very the, close. It's the one thing that it really has as a strength and maybe the story a little bit over Breath of the Wild. But 
that just like to fight and to rip apart these these dinosaurs oh, yeah. or these other animals mm-hmm. that are robots and to have all these cool like little things like where you get like these kind of harpoons where you stick them into them and pin them to the ground and you're like trying to harvest stuff from them to make yourself stronger i thought it was such a fascinating game and i just still like wish for my caveman like heart wants like co-op to be like let's take down a, a <laughs> mammoth robot together everybody uh yeah. but it's an intimidating game because that thunder jaw the big T-Rex that they showed off mm. so long ago is still such a, a crazy fight. Um, you know, no matter when you run into these things, even when you're kitted up in that game, because like you're a person, you're a young woman who has like some armaments and some armor, but you're getting hit by a, like a crocodile with a robotic tail. Like you're going to take, <laughs> it's going to do damage to you. Uh, and I just remember really liking it. All I want them to do is just make the spear combat a little better because I've yeah, always felt like it wasn't, away. I was like, yeah, you do it as a last resort to be like, get away from me. Um, but I, the, it's just such a fun game. Uh, and just the whole world, it was so crazy big i kept like you're going to different biomes and stuff you're like in the desert for a while and i was like what the heck like and you're just running on foot or on your little ram or whatever but Mm -hmm. i just was like this is from a group that started off and had been for a long time doing first person shooters kill zone like gorilla was like we're doing something new and i think they knocked it out of the park even if some of the like the spear stuff or the climbing isn't as good as I want it to be, or maybe the story wasn't as compelling. I still think it's really cool. And I still think it's one of the games that stands out in this generation a lot. Um, Now I'll I'll start with Wes here. Wes, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Do you, do you have love for it? Do you, have you played it? How do you feel? Uh, Horizon was actually my goatee for 2017. Yeah, here we go. And I I know that's, I know that's like not a popular opinion in the same year that, that Breath of the Wild came out. Whatever, man. Yeah, who cares? It's your opinion. (laughs) It's how you feel in your heart, baby. But I, I loved the combat in that game so much. I mean, I, I love, um, archery, you know, overall, I actually, I, I do archery in real life. I've got a compound bow that I take out and you know practice with um so it, it kind of spoke to me a lot um i just love the the enemy designs in that game like you were saying um the ability to i think we're all all fans of, of monster hunter here mm. um but one of the things i love about monster hunter that i also love about horizon is when you um are damaging the enemies you can visually see the damage on the enemies you knock pieces of armor um, loose on them and, and, you know, hit them and you can see the damage that you're doing. Um, so when you're fighting that thunder jaw, you shoot like a shock arrow on them or something like that. And it (laughs) blows up and the armor pieces just go flying and you, you, you expose these kind of weak spots on them that you can then take advantage of. And I really, I really loved that about the game. Um, it was a beautiful game. Oh, gorgeous. Uh, The, I think it was the decima engine. Um, yep. Um, that, absolutely gorgeous it was reused um in uh this year's um ghost of tsushima um no sorry not ghost of tsushima it was reused in um uh death stranding Stranding. my my mistake Mm -hmm. sorry um and uh so yeah great looking game um i love the way it played i love the environments um aloy i thought was a was an awesome character very strong-willed character um and uh i think ashley birch did a great job voicing her yeah and um, yeah, I, and I thought the story was really cool. I really enjoyed digging into that. I know you said you don't remember what happened, but um, I'm really interested <laughs> I'm to sorry. see where they. It, no, it was it was a complex story, and I don't remember um, a lot of it uh, either. But I do Silas. remember. Um, 
<laughs> I do remember some of the stuff that happened and it was, it was some really cool sci-fi lore that, um, that, uh, I think is, is, you know, holds up. Yeah. For sure. And I'm really interested to see where they take it in, um, Forbidden West. Yeah, totally. Caden, how about you? Um, yeah, just from, uh, the story perspective, uh, I, it's funny, you know, cause you said you literally just didn't pay attention to the story at all but i tried i tried i was like it's uh, so long i'm like oh i'm so tired i feel like um it it has a really compelling story um that has a lot of depth to it and more than anything um the game it sets up this mystery box right of like what happened to human civilization that got us to this point and so many stories go wrong with setting up a mystery box like this and letting the players create their own theories about why is this happening what's you know maybe it's this maybe it's that and then completely utterly failing to stick the landing like you know something like lost or something like that mm-hmm. um but i feel like um horizon does a fantastic job actually creating an interesting um cause to why the world's the way it is and has a really great payoff if you're paying attention to the story um so uh yeah and besides that um uh just touching on the combat again uh you know i feel like a common theme with all these games we're talking about is just there's like something about it that you really can't experience in any other game and i really do feel like the combat feels that way in horizon and i mean just like the amount of ways that you can approach certain fights the amounts of things that can happen is so dynamic that it's insane like taking that Thunderjaw fight. What's crazy about the Thunderjaw is it has armaments built into its body that it fights you with. And you actually have the ability to blow off the weapons that it's using to fight you with and then pick them up and start shooting that at the creature. So Mm -hmm. um, what's what's crazy is just how, uh, that you know, I've got monster hunter rolling around in my head right now, but uh, <laughs> there's similarities there because you have these intense, drawn-out, uh, high-stakes fights with these creatures, similar to Monster Hunter. And uh, there are some things that I feel like Horizon does better than Monster Hunter, like the interactivity with the actual creature, like Wes was saying, being able to literally break off pieces of its chassis and exposing weak points on its insides um, or blowing off weapons to use against it. Just the, the amount of dynamism and interactivity with actual uh, enemies is just crazy. And the variety, like every single one of the creatures in that game is memorable and fights differently. And um, but how they expanded on it with the new creatures and the um, DLC even. Another mm-hmm. game, fantastic DLC. Um yeah, and you you know sometimes you see this game on sale for like ten or fifteen bucks bundled in with the DLC. Like you got to pick it up. Like, and it's yeah. it's doable for an for an open world game. Mm-hmm. Horizon Zero Dawn was my first platinum trophy. Same. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's. It, I mean, and just because it's fun to explore, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have so much content in it that it's so overwhelming to do. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's it's a fifty hour action RPG that you can go into and complete and do the whole thing and see everything and i really appreciate that about it yeah shout out to stormbird i like the stormbird too yeah snap that's also a really cool fight i was trying to remember because i think i was like kind of going through back in like the the lore and i remember thinking parts of it were interesting i know the part where i checked out it's when we get to the inner politics of like the sun king 
or whatever. Sure. That, I was like, what Fair is, th-? I'm like, I'm like, I'm trying to figure out what happened to the world. And it was like, we've got a lot of problems in our fancy desert kingdom. And I'm like, you guys get out of here. I was like, I, I've been taking on gigantic robot dinosaurs by myself. And they're like, oh, also the human enemies, which there are in this game. They feel so much like uh, just throw yeah. away by comparison because you're like all oh, these, these warring yeah. tribes and you're like shooting them in the face and you're like yeah mm-hmm. i'm kind of waiting for like the like i wanted one to come out like in a mech yeah. suit or something kind of more compelling because they're yeah. the way you fight them is very just like you got to kind of stealth around and just kind of pop them in the head and just kind of yeah. it's like the opposite of fighting the machines and yeah, it's just yeah. so boring the human combat was not great in that game. Yeah, I was just like, please, can I get back to just, like, fighting these crazy creatures? Because, like you said, the DLC, yeah. it's like, hey, it's a robot bear. And it's like, oh, my God. And it's like, yeah, yeah man, it's just such a cool game. And I'm excited to see what they do with the next one. I'm hoping yeah. that because it's going to be cross-platform, it'll be a little compromised. But I hope it's not completely because I would just I would I can't wait to see that game. But I also can't wait to see they'll probably make it in a trilogy. What that like unhindered you know if they could just be like you can do whatever like make a crazy creature that you you can't even you're yeah. like looking at it, you're like i don't even know what that is like tendrils, <laughs> right. robotic tendrils and stuff you're like ah. it seems like in the um in the next game they're they're gonna let you do more with the exploration yeah. like you you could kind of go where you wanted in um in uh, horizon zero dawn but you know it was kind of like it had that kind of uncharted-esque um traversal where oh there's a point there i can climb up th- right at that spot where the ledge has a little <laughs> bit of like gray outline right or whatever um but you know it showed aloy like you know um swimming underwater yeah. with kind of a re- rebreather apparatus um so it seems like maybe they're gonna they're gonna let you do more exploration underwater yeah. and i really hope that it takes a cue from um breath of the wild and will allow you to do some sort of a like gliding or or um aerial traversal because um i think that would would um go a long way to to um help that game obviously you could you could um tame uh the machines and you know jump on a machine and and ride it across the landscape but getting from one place up to the next um if you had to um you wanted to oh what's up on top of that mountain it's like well i don't know if i can actually get there if there's no you know it looks really nice but there's no little climbable uh ledge for me to to get up there very much so yeah uh i was gonna say one last thing about this obviously some assassin's creed inspirations but they're like you know what towers we'll call them tall necks and they'll be moving around (laughs) there's also some armor down here that you're gonna have to work for really hard you're like i want that and there's aloy's like i can't get it right now i'm like just take one of your super arrows and blow it up and it was like no 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 (laughs) it's safe it's got acrylic six inch acrylic glass um but yeah a great game uh unfortunate as i said like it's unfortunate even though it wasn't exclusive and Breath of the Wild's exclusive, that it came out around the same time as Breath of the Wild, and there's so many comparisons drawn to it. Both yeah. are great. So just like keep that in mind. Yeah. If you get to see this on especially on PC now, the fact that it's on PC, like yeah. just grab it. Like you you'll play it and you'll be like, oh yeah. Like when you're just hunting down those crab things, like those little crab robots that have a ton of supplies oh, on them. You're like you're with like, the boxes. You're yeah. like, I'm coming yeah. to get you. <laughs> and you're like, there's like two or three of them, and you're like setting up all these traps, which I tried a lot to do like the cool traps. I'm like, I see like a herd of these things. I'm like, all right, so I'll put these traps over to the right and I'll scare them <laughs> from the left. And then they would just, just go North. And I was like, Oh guys, I'm like, come, come back. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's such a, such a cool game. Such a cool game. Okay. I'm sorry. Well, we spent the turn in the horizon zero dawn podcast uh, in 2017. Also another game speaking about anime before with gravity rush Two, 
I think there's another one here that this is like almost anime embodied. We're talking Persona 5, mm-hmm. um, which uh, I've had, I had my time with it. I, I don't know if I was like a 90 hours or 100 hours to get through that game. It took a long time, uh, but um, yeah, a really cool, cool game, even though it is, we're talking compromised. This one was a bit compromised because it had to come on PS3 as well. So the kind of co- like the mechanics outside of combat weren't like there wasn't a lot going on it was a lot of like walking down a hallway or jumping in between things or just talking to people there's a lot of like pressing x in this game like a lot um but the story is so good i think all the characters are really interesting you really bond with them and the combat for turnstile base uh i was remember telling a friend about this because turnstile base i don't know if you guys have friends this way who are like so turned off to it they're like i can't do turn turn based yeah this combat was like you can get done with combat encounters in seconds if you know what you're doing you're like, you can get in and if you know the weaknesses, you can be like, boom, boom, boom. And you're like threatening somebody like you're just all pulling guns on a demon. And you're like, all right, you're coming with us, you know, kind of thing. Um, but such a it just stands out to me. And you guys were talking about music earlier, too. That's maybe mm-hmm. some of my favorite music of this whole generation. It, I still go back and listen to it. I think it's so killer. It is yeah. so good. Uh, yeah, it has a great OST. And, and that's one of the hallmarks of Persona, I think, like almost all of them do. It's really great. Yeah, I'll say, Wessel, tell me about it. Your Persona Five. Have you? Had yeah, I've had a I've had a tumultuous relationship with. Persona. Let's hear it. Uh, I've I've tried that game uh, several times, um, and um, I've always kind of hit a wall with it. Uh, not too far into it, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I it I get really. Um, this is just a personal issue, but I get really. Um, I, I get kind of like have problems with making decisions. I get. Sure. <laughs> I'm so indecisive. So when you throw a game at me and you say, okay, you've got a limited amount of time. Yeah. Pick what you want to do. <laughs> you can only hang out with one of these three characters. I'm like, no, I want to, I want to see everybody's storyline. I want to know exactly what's going to happen. I want to know exactly what I'm going to get from this guy versus this guy versus this guy. So I get that kind of analysis paralysis. And I think that was kind of my, my always been my issue with persona five. Um, um, that said, I did pick up Royal and I've been told that they, there's a lot of streamlining in that game and a lot of like quality of life um, improvements that were made in that game. And so I'm looking forward to jumping into that. And I've been told it's kind of like the, you know, the superior version, generally speaking. Um, So I am looking forward to jumping back into that. I will totally agree with you, Jimmy, when you said like the music is top tier, it's fantastic. Um, I love the visuals uh, in that game. I love the the character designs and the voices, and the um, just the the overall aesthetic. It's it's just so good. Yeah. You know, uh, everything from the um, from the menus oh, and the menus. The, oh. <laughs> the you know the the victory screen. Everything. It's oh. just so good. Yeah, the super yeah, finishers uh, and stuff. Uh, and you were talking about yeah. Yakuza earlier and like how you mm-hmm. enjoy like or the thought of going to Japan. This is the right. game that like to me has that like if I was on a crowded subway in Japan or if I'm walking around Tokyo, like this is that game, right? To have like those little chunks yeah, in it. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope yeah. you can get back to it. I hope you can me, go back. Me too. I really, I really would like to get back to it. And I think you and I have talked about it before, but I would love for Persona Five, even the even the original version, to come out on Switch. I think that would be. <laughs> 
Yeah. So yeah. amazing. I because can't, like if it runs on PS3, it can run on Switch. It like, can, what's the hold up? It can. Like, it has to, right? Right. Yeah. Because then I could take it with me and I could play an hour on my lunch break. It'd or, be perfect for yeah. that. Or, or whatever. Or if I'm traveling, I, I travel for work sometimes. Take it with me and play it. That's how I. That's how I ended up um, uh, playing um, Three Houses. Dude, I took nice. it just I it. Yeah. It's 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 great for for on the go, and it seems like it's just set up. It's just ripe for putting it on there. They put Joker and Smash for crying out loud. Exactly. So why not? Where's this Persona Five board? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, Caden, you you seem like you you know a little Persona. Uh, or no, I similar tumultuous relationship. Oh, no. <laughs> I uh, and, well, uh, to my wife, if she's listening, uh, this doesn't reflect poorly on you, hon. <laughs> it's just uh -oh. a, a thing that happened. <laughs> so anyway, uh, when Persona 5 came out, it was like the new hotness. Like everyone was like going crazy for this game. And uh, it had such a presence in the zeitgeist that it even came into my wife's sphere of awareness oh. and she just saw the game and was like this game looks amazing like i want to play this what which you know is a rare and awesome occurrence for her because she just like maybe like once a year once every two years she plays like one game and gets like super attached to it and so i bought the game we started playing it and um we were like playing through it together i think we played like it was a long time. It was about like 30 hours or something. Dang. And she uh, just never m managed to get to the end of the first palace. Huh. And she just got burnt out. And she just was like, I don't want to play it anymore. And yeah. so that just kind of like marred my experience with the game where I was like, oh, okay. So we're just stopping playing it now. <laughs> so I just <laughs> never, I never continued the game and then like royal came out and i was like well i have the original game but now i don't feel like playing it because there's a better version of it out and uh i think royal went on sale a couple weeks ago for like 40 bucks and i was like screw it i'm i'm gonna pick it up so it blows my mind with games like this and like dragon quest 11 where they just don't make the new content an expansion you can purchase if you already have the game like you literally have to buy the same game over again yeah. full price if you want the extra content but yeah um uh, I, I enjoyed what I played of it. And I'm really looking forward to getting back to it. Um, I'm not planning to be able to get a PS5 for like at least probably like a year mm -hmm. until after it comes out. Um, so I've got this like hit list of like games I missed this generation mm -hmm. and like cool. Persona 5 is like right at the top of that. Um, but yeah, just the game just exudes style. And uh, I think it's even worth pointing out that that wasn't necessarily something that the series is known for. Um, Persona 4 Golden just got ported to Steam, and um, I started playing a little bit of that. And it doesn't really have the same kind of like design sensibility that Persona 5 has. Um, it has a weird like chibi art style with like strangely realistic textures on mm. stuff. And weird. I don't know what happened. They just started firing on like all cylinders, like 110% in like the art department for Persona 5. Like it's just such a stylish game, like visually oh, uh, and audibly. Persona 4 was originally a PlayStation 2 game, so oh, okay. I, I think there Fair was uh, so only so much they could do with uh, with the tech at the time that yeah. Persona Persona 4 came out, and so then Golden was the kind of enhanced, um, you know, perfect yeah. version. Sure. So. 
So that means Persona 6 will probably be a PS Vita exclusive, but then we'll get ported <laughs> to some other things. So it's just like, come on. Like, I just, I'm excited Vita, to see. Vita 2, you've heard it here, folks. Exactly. I just, I would love to see this franchise again, not be compromised uh, in any way, just to see what they can really do with it now, especially that it's kind of broken into the West a little bit more. But yeah, uh, crazy, just a crazy cool game. We never did saw you, it coming. Uh. Did you play Royal Jimmy? Have you played that? Yet? I haven't. No, no, no. I have not at all. No. Is it? Are you gonna? Are you planning on going in and I, seeing that extra content? I'm not sure because I missed out on plenty of it because we talked about that analysis paralysis. Like there was a lot in the game that I never got into. One of those things was um, a companion quest for a character that was supposed to be a main character. She's like the chess or shogi player. And she didn't make it as a main character in the game, but she's a companion character, which allows you to switch your characters out during combat, like if they faint and stuff or if they're about okay. to. I never uh -huh. had that. So I had like my my team of four that I always had because of like my choices. So there's still stuff in the original that I didn't do. And then they're like, hey, Royal's out now. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can go back in. Um, <laughs> like yeah. it took me forever to play it in the first place and get a review out the, on it. The but. nice thing about Royal, and I, and I don't know if this necessarily means you can see everything, but... Um, the platinum trophy for that you can do in one run oh that's great okay yeah so um whether that means seeing everything or not i don't know but i do know that that you can do at least get all the trophies in in one sitting that's nice i i will be honest with you boys i turned off trophies a long time ago because as someone who captures video for review every flipping thing you do is a trophy it like pops up a little thing it's like congratulations you beat the second boss and i'm like yeah, I, I know and it's like it's like a story moment but like the xbox or the playstation's like hey you did it. And I'm like, I'm like <laughs> yeah. shut up. Um, but I know people love their trophies and that's good that you could do that because this game is so long and arduous and I would hate for people to be like, I miss these two things and I have to go back and play another 80 hours to get these trophies. It's <laughs> like, that's crushing. So I'm glad Royale has streamlined it, um, which is good because it kind of um, is trying to streamline RPGs, right? Yeah. I'd just like to point out on howlongtobeat.com. Uh, Persona 5 for just the main story out of uh, 2,000 uh, poll, like a, a poll of 2,000 people. Um, the average time to beat just the main story is 97 hours. Yep, I was going <laughs> to say that was pretty much mine, and I got to the end of it and I was like, oh my gosh. There's, there's more? Like, there's more. There's uh, extras? Yeah, I'm like, oh gosh. Uh, but yeah, by the way, when you mentioned the whole like rebuying the game, that reminds me of like Destiny, like what they do a year later. You'd be like, yep. it'd be like it's Destiny again, but the expansions and stuff, but you have to rebuy the game to play it. I'm yeah. like, like, but I, I already got Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, that's that's 2017 uh, for, for Sony for the most part. Again, we'll probably miss things. I'm so sorry, but there's so many big games. Uh, speaking of a little-known game, uh, it's from a, a, a trilogy of games. Actually, not it's more than a trilogy. It's a saga of games now, uh, but a little bit of a rebranding kind of thing. A little-known title known as God of War in 2018. Uh, oh, yeah, I think oh, I heard it. Oh, exactly. I was going to oh, say, we can start the music, right? Um, <laughs> how, how to kick off your press conference. Uh, God of War 2018, a game that stuck with me, too, and I think many people who have played through it, uh, Wow. It's a crazy game. Uh, there are some things that kind of frustrate me about it, and it does feel like a really big tease because, like, I think they knew, I think somebody knew that it was going to be doing well enough, but um, it's still, it's crazy to think that that whole game, it's it's very different than the original God of Wars, and I played through God of Wars 1, 2, and 3, and kind of understanding that, you have to kind of, you know, that's, for some people, that might be too big a pill to swallow, but uh, technical marvel and the fact that they don't 
really ever cut away. It's just like one full shot and they hide their loading screens and they do all this stuff uh, to get you fully immersed into the world of, you know, God of War taken to Norse mythology now, no no longer Greco-Roman. Um, yeah. And Kratos, Kratos has changed quite a bit and uh, the combat's really brutal. The camera's really close. Uh, so you got to get used to that. You got to like your, your little pink arrow that's like behind you um, or Mimir. But uh Kane, I want to start with you here. God of War. Uh, how, how do you feel about it a few years out? This game, dude. It just there's so many feelings about this game. Uh, it means a lot to me personally because um, my brothers and I. I have four brothers, and we're all really close in wow. age, and we're all big gamers. So growing up, we spent a lot of times just sitting on the couch together, watching one of us play a single player game, or like you know, trading off when someone dies or something like that. And um, God of God of War uh, 1, 2, and 3 were um, that experience for us. We pretty much all like played through it together. And uh, when God of War 1 came out on PS2, it, it, it seems like a dumb game now if you go back and watch it. It's like, oh, it's a button mesh combat, and it's just like in-your-face edgy gore and boobs. But like <laughs> that was kind of like a new, fresh experience when it came out. Yeah. And... Uh, just to that that i think that is a example of a game series that did noticeably decline over time and it was sad to see that happen for me um and then to see them come back with this game and just totally take it in a completely different direction and completely knock it out of the park and just like ace everything pick all the boxes and like God of War is not known for like this crazy stellar story. You know, it's all about just ripping monsters apart with crazy weapons that don't make any sense. You yeah, know, but much. like the story in this game is so touching and relatable. And, um, you know, I'm not going to go into my sob story or anything, but long story short, you know, like in recent years, I've had a bad relationship with my dad. So it was really emotional playing this game mm-hmm. and sort of relating to the relationship between. Atreus and Kratos and I just never expected that level of depth from a character like Kratos and uh man I just I don't know man this game somebody else talk I'll, I'll come back <laughs> around to it. all right Wes we're moving on to Wes here Wes thoughts no I, I I think it's a it's a masterpiece of a game honestly um I don't know it's Caden touched on it he said you know and I and I agree with him you know how much it's great how much they like knocked out of the park especially considering you know what kind of game it was uh previously in the series I don't know if either of you guys have watched the documentary series or the the documentary that they did about the development of God of War I've heard of it I don't think I have it's insane to play God of War and then you watch that documentary and and um there's so much like hesitation and doubt there sure. with the developers and, and they're, you know, and all, all the, the emotions and the tensions, it's everything is like super, you know, raw there for, for mm-hmm. these guys. And, and it's, they're doubting themselves the whole way through. And, and if what they're doing is the right thing, I was reading up on it today. Um, at one point they were talking about cutting a trace out completely. Oh, so he yeah. wasn't even going to be in the game. And they were going to make uh, make it just a solo version with just Kratos, but that they had this completely other vision for it and how they were going to take it. And and thankfully, Sony acquiesced and uh, you know allowed them the time and the resources to do do it the way that they wanted to. Um, 
and uh you know thankfully they they did and it turned out wonderful um but uh but yeah they they just did so much right i mean i i love the fact again we've been talking about a lot of open world games but um i i just love the exploration in the game you get to uh i think it's lake of nine is that what it's called and you get to and you get to um you get in the boat and you travel around in the boat Uh. from island to island um you know um the side activities were good um the combat was awesome i love the fact that you have a completely different weapon in this game than you do from the all the other games yeah. and axe and it just lets you um live out your basically Iconic. your 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 most uh awesome fantasies of being thor you know you're throwing the axe and calling it back and yeah yeah it's 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 really great i sorry avengers <laughs> yeah sorry avengers exactly yeah, well, it's funny, too, because I, I know they got the combat lead from that game to come mm-hmm. work on. Yeah. So it's just like, I, you couldn't, it's hard to completely get Leviathan X as Mjolnir in a multiplayer game. But anyway, um, yeah. yeah, the combat, that's the one kind of gripe I have because, you know, the old God of War was so pulled back and you could kind of see everything. And once you get Mimir, it's a little bit better because he kind of will warn you for things. But mm-hmm. for the, the frustrating parts for me where it was a little too close or pulled in for that, it was so visceral and still so much fun. And I think my favorite moments were the one-on-ones. And that's mm-hmm. like, I was fighting all the Valkyries, which I got yeah. through all of them, which was really hard. But I was every Valkyrie kind of teaches you for like the, the mm-hmm. final one. The final Valkyrie, uh, yeah. But the one thing, like I said before, it's it felt like such a tease. And I remember fighting the stranger in the beginning and thinking, oh, the boss fights are going to be like this. And then kind of like the rest of the boss fights not really being as compelling to me because i love Mm -hmm. in games like devil may cry where it's one-on-one against virgil versus against versus like doing like a horde where it's just like one super strong enemy and you're i was like are we gonna fight a ton of people who are just like hey what's up i'm the god of this and you're like oh (laughs) not this dude like but uh i'm hoping it sounds like they have cut a lot of that for time and budget reasons for this game so maybe a lot of that will make it into the sequel i Mm. don't know uh but i think there's a lot of other Norse gods out there. So. Exactly. Yeah. And there's so they like the funny thing is this game is so like Odin and Thor suck. They suck so much. And I hate them. And I was like, we're probably going to see them. Right. And they're like, nope. Uh, and, and people, I remember like it was a spoiler or whatever, but we, we said there's going to be spoilers. Yeah. He's got the blades of chaos because he's flipping Dude, Kratos. Like, I don't know. I, I should have expected that. But for some reason, I I don't know. I think I let myself like get absorbed in the magic circle of sure. suspension of disbelief, and it's like once he reveals that he still has the blades of chaos, I was just like, oh my god! You know? <laughs> yeah. like, it becomes like a puzzle thing later on. It's like if he didn't have yeah. this, he wouldn't have progressed. Uh, but yeah, I'm the second one. I'm sure they're giving them all the time yeah. and money that they need. So yeah, I um, think they're I think they're definitely. Uh, <laughs> gonna let that one cook hopefully let it cook no rush like i said uh before we started i was like we i should have snuck into sony santa monica when i was out in santa monica a few months ago and like hey so <laughs> i'm here to uh, do some some capture for you know god of war 2 and then i'd be like oh right this way sir i'd be like a documentary on the development exactly i'd be like i'm here for um raising kratos 2 electric boogaloo and they'd be like ah yes we're excited that you're here um so you mentioned uh really quickly before we uh jump off of god of war i just want to mention one of my favorite characters um of any video game is mimir yes i just love him so much um and uh, just cruising around the lake and just having him tell you 
Tails? Yes. Yeah. They spent Story so time much time just like, you know, not doing anything but listening to him tell me so, stories. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think he's so necessary because the Atreus Kratos, you know, relationship is interesting enough, but Atreus can, can, I think he graded on me a little bit sometimes and I wanted another party there. And I love that Mimir kind of comes in and he, you kind of end up being like these two parents. Or Mimir's kind yeah. of like your best friend who's like, hey man, maybe you should be it's a little Uncle easier Mimir, on the kid. Yeah. yeah, Uncle Mimir is just kind of like, here's a little yeah. story for you. So he really, I, he bridges the, uh, he bridges the communication gap between Atreus and Kratos yeah. really well. Because yeah. they, it's obvious that they, they don't communicate well. And so having that kind of third party there to kind of bridge that gap is really nice. I'm going to call it right now if they do any cutaways in the next one, which I think we should allow them to do if there's a, you know, a story moment. But I would love to see a flashback to Kratos and his wife and like oh, that man. relationship because like yeah. that would be or a great intro to the story to be like and then you yeah. cut to the title and then you do the the one you know shot through it again i just feel bad if they have to like they painted themselves into a corner to be like we could do it in one shot and they're like do we want to do everything in one shot forever <laughs> it's like yeah. you know kind of thing um, um but yeah well, please Gaten. yeah there's just one one last thing on the game uh, i just felt like it was really really genius how they uh If you had played the original games, it lent so much to playing through this game because of everything you knew about Kratos' past. And I felt it almost like made the story lean more towards relating more to Kratos during the events of the game. And sure. then if you were a newcomer to the game, it created this fantastic mystery about what is Kratos' past that was equally as compelling and kind of made you relate more towards Atreus' perspective in the game. So it's like no matter which direction you're coming at the story from if you're a longtime fan or you're a newcomer it created like an awesome like you know point of view for the game and uh just was really really awesome totally uh wes anything else you want to add to it before we move on god of war is awesome yeah, dude. <laughs> uh, I just want a box underneath the box in his house that has like that blade of Olympus or whatever. That's super yes. blue sword. And he's just like, he's, he's like, blade of Olympus. I never thought I'd have to use you again. He's like, but Odin's going to get one in the chest. And if they're making five more of these things, Egypt, you're coming up next. Polytheism is oh, going to die and Kratos is yeah. going to be the guy to do oh, it. That would be I'm amazing. excited to fight Jesus in the sixth one. He's like, I'm taking them all out. Um, he's like, I'll, I'll never... I'll I'll never sleep until they're Dude, all dead. Dude, if they ever port this to PC, somebody needs to make a mod to replace um, the stranger with just Jesus. Oh. So that crazy brawling, like punching him through a mountain and it's just Jesus' fault. Oh, that would be incredible. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, mm. But I'm really excited because they've, they've talked about making five more of these things. That sounds like they have a strategy. So we'll see. We'll see about that. But uh, that was 2018. No. Also, another game that came out in 2018 that was an exclusive to PlayStation 4 was good old-fashioned Insomniac, uh, you know, kind of doing something a little different with Spider-Man, uh, which is crazy, known for the Ratchet and Clank and Sunset Overdrive and all that stuff, but then coming in with Spider-Man, you kind of touched on it before. Mm -hmm. I think, honestly, the best thing about this thing is just how it feels. It's the best mm -hmm. feeling game to me out of the whole generation, because, like, it's just fun to do, or just to be in that world, to be Spider-Man. Like, that's, like, if you want to be Spider-Man, this is the best way to play. Like, this is the best thing to play. It's just... It's so good. It's so compelling. And I like the story. I like the characters. I like the characterization. I like the tease to the future. But yeah, it's like Arkham plus Spider-Man 2 just smashed together. And they're like, here, it's like basically almost flawless. <laughs> yeah. Like, Thank you. Uh, Wes, how, how, do you have a history of Spider-Man at all? 
I mean, yeah, Spider-Man and Wolverine are my two yeah. top superheroes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, it was I, I was super hyped for playing Spider-Man and I, I, I loved every minute of it. I haven't played the DLCs, which I'm really surprised about. I, I bought them all and I well, I loaned my game to, to a friend. And Aww. then I'm like, okay, when I get it back, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to do these DLC. <laughs> and I haven't yet. So it's I've actually been thinking about doing that as kind of like a warm-up to Miles Morales when it sure. comes out. Nice. Smart. But um, but no, you're you're 100% right. Um, the traversal was awesome. I love the I love the fact that there's so many costumes for Spider-Man. So you can you can it's just a love letter to the to the character and his history and um, there's there's um, costumes from different media. There's costumes from the comics. There's costumes from you know TV shows. From the you can play as the Iron Spider, you know if you want to. Mm-hmm. And they all have. And I love the fact that they have a like a super move or a specific ability tied to each yeah. suit that you play, which is really cool. It's mm-hmm. not just an aesthetic thing. You know you can you can really play Spider Man how you want to play Spider Man in that game, and it's it's really awesome. I love the. Uh, I love the character designs. I love the original face of Spider-Man. Yep. I'm, mm. I'm interested to see how the new game looks. I've only seen the one clip of the uh, of the new um, faces that they're doing for the uh, for the remastered version. But um, but I think that that the game looks fantastic. It ran fantastic, and it was kind of everything that I wanted out of a Spider-Man game. Oh, totally. Yeah, Caden, uh, how about you? It sounds like you're kind of um, reverberating these thoughts once again. Yeah, for sure. I think that this game is like the best video game ever made based off of like a comic book superhero. Yeah. And just, you know, that cliche like line that's in everyone's review of the game. It makes you feel like, you yeah. know, but like it does. I feel like you can almost feel the wind rushing and like the G force, like just swinging through the streets. And like, even if, like, it would be insane if they put this out, but if they just put out a game where it's just the open world city and your spider-man swinging around and there's nothing else to do like i think that'd still be a 10 out of 10 game like the movement in that game is yeah. so good oh totally yeah sim- similarly to wes uh i never played any of the dlc because for me i feel like the base game was just too perfect it's like i felt so satisfied when i completed it i was just like ah just ah, yep you perfect. sit back you're like mm. and i just i didn't feel a desire to like see more do more i was like that that was perfect it's perfect yeah oh but totally yeah. another yeah. must play game oh for sure and it teases the future and that's why i like the one suit i wanted which i think they'll probably put in future games i was like it's the one i want but i get why they're holding on to it but it's like it's, it's the cute. black suit yeah i'm like i need this yeah. <laughs> so badly yeah um but i also shout outs to uh taskmaster which is kind of fun really annoying guy mm-hmm. sometimes but also um tombstone who's in the game who's basically mm-hmm. they make him into like ghost rider because they give him like flaming chains and i was like <laughs> is this like them trying to be like we could make ghost rider i'm like don't you tease me um but uh yeah that game is just it just feels so good and i felt it came out in a stacked year unfortunately um and that's why i think like it wasn't brought to the forefront of many of like the game of the year discussions not that that completely matters but it was still just like oh man this game is finally here and it just there weren't really any problems with it it was really nice like you just get into it it's just it's a single player really strong game lots of allusions to other like you know all like the west coast avengers and stuff like that And i was like this is so great and i'm really hoping that uh, this is a big beautiful franchise for a long time because insomniac i was like ratchet and clank and now you're doing spider-man yeah. like this oh is, yeah i was like 
okay, Sunset Overdrive, and then now they're still making Ratchet and Clank games, so what do I know? Um, but yeah, such a great game. Uh, easily one of the best games of this generation to me as well. Uh, 2018, man, it was, a, it was a killer year. It was a killer year. Yeah, 2018 yeah. was one of the best. Oh, for sure. For I sure. look back on it, I'm like, ah, good times. Yeah, and oh, I've got Daisy here who's just, Daisy, did you like Spider-Man 2? She's like, uh, do you mean the first game? Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> um, I do want to mention this, though, and I don't remember how much you guys have played this going into 2019. 2019 was kind of a weirder year for gaming, mm-hmm. but Days Gone. I know I've got mm-hmm. one person in our Discord who's like, you got to play Days Gone. It's buggy, sure. It's not perfect, but it's a really fun, like, kind of survival horror, not really survival horror game where you're on a motorcycle fighting hordes and hordes of zombies, and they kept delaying the thing. Did either of you guys play this game? No, I did not. <laughs> okay. Unfortunately, Fair I, enough. I, I, I bought it after the fact. And I think that it's the cool thing about days gone that I really like is I think it got kind of a bum rap out the door. Sure. You know, it got, it got um, a lot of uh, comparisons to the last of us because of the fact that it is kind of a post-apocalyptic game where you fight these zombie esque, you know, sort of creatures or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I think that that was kind of an unfair comparison yeah. overall. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I really like about uh, the game is that the more that time goes on, the more appreciation I see for it. Yeah. Because people are going yeah. back to it it's because it goes, it's, it's, it's gone on sale. Um, so people are like, yeah, okay, I'll give this a chance. And, and you have those people out there who really champion the game and they're, um, pushing people to try it and people are trying and they're like, you know, it's actually, you know, is, is this game of the year? Probably not, but it's solid, you oh, know? Totally. Yeah, for sure. And that's what the thing is, is kind of like it, it had some interesting ideas and I remember it kind of feeling like a tech demo in some ways. Cause they would show it off at conferences. And they'd be like, look how many zombies we can get on screen. And right. I don't think that was a huge selling point for some people. And uh, that's kind of the reason why. And then it kept getting delayed and uh, it was kind of frustrating. But I think there's some love for it, which is cool to see. So I'm, I don't know. I'll try it out at some point, I think, just because it's like, I think it's a a lighter take on a Last of Us type world. You know, it's not as dark or as, you know, gritty. But yeah, uh, I've I've heard one of the big um, complaints I've heard lobbed against it is that it is a little bloated. Sure. It's a little bit too long. and I, it, it's, uh, which, you know, a lot of people like content in their game, which is yep. great that they made it, but obviously it can kind of work against the game sometimes. And I've heard that as a, a kind of a common complaint against it. Obviously I haven't played it, so I don't know myself, but. Sure. Caden, do you have anything you want to weigh in on this from, from what yeah. you've seen? I remember when this came out, I don't know if I remember another time where there was such a disparity between the critical reception and the player reception. Mm. Um, I'm looking at on Metacritic right now. It's got a 71 critic score, you know, just straight solid. seven out of 10 swimming in sevens, sure, but yeah, yeah, yeah. user scores, um, 8.2. Oh, um, okay. with a lot of people I'm looking through giving it a nine out of 10, 10 out of 10. Um, but yeah, ever, this is just another game, uh, where it's like, if you talk to anyone who's actually played it, like they just gush over it. And, um, one thing that stands out to me from the game, um, that I've seen from gameplay is just the uh, the horde tech, I guess you'd call it. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of people that say like no other games really done like zombie hordes as it does this one. And it's crazy watching um, gameplay sometimes. Like I just saw one the other day. He's like in a like rundown town and he comes across a horde of feeding zombies and he starts shooting at them and then just like 
out from behind all the other buildings just come like a hundred more zombies and he starts running and running and then he's like going over a hill and then he goes over the hill and there's like a whole nother horde like coming to join up with the one that he's on and like you know it's just like he's surrounded on all sides by zombies and i can imagine if you're uh easily scared that you probably couldn't even play this game like you'd just be paralyzed with dealing with it and uh i've also heard people praise like the motorcycle yeah exactly (laughs) i guess it just feels really personal to take care of your motorcycle and it's really important because you need to be able to outrun the hordes and your motorcycle can break down so you have to like constantly maintain your motorcycle and um, that sounds really cool but yeah it's definitely one that there's so many games like this out there that you know they're not like these stellar like masterpiece 10 out of 10 games but they're like perfectly fine awesome games but it just feels like there's so many games that are like these 10 out of 10 masterpieces coming out that yeah. like I just don't have time to get to these other exactly. games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I, I would love to play it. I just, it's so far down my backlog. Exactly. But, Especially but, with the Persona yeah, 5, seems cool. with the Persona 5 crit path being 97 hours or whatever. And then you're just like, yeah. oh, but there's this other like 30 or 50 hour zombie killing game and I got to get yeah. gas in my motorcycle. And it's like, <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> One thing that did make me really want to play it, the weirdest crossover after Death Stranding came out, they made a cosmetic that you could get for your motorcycle that replaced the gas tank with um, a BB pod with a baby oh, in it. Perfect. I'll say the baby's yeah, in there. Like, what? <laughs> that's going to move some copies, which I'm, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to say that's the next game I wanted to bring up here for 2019 um, yeah. is, is Death Stranding, which is a very yep. strange game. Um, you know, not necessarily zombies, but babies and pods and things. Um, mm-hmm. But I... I've only ever seen stuff on this game. I've never personally played it. I've heard from a lot of people they found it to be enjoyable, but mm-hmm. it was such a kind of odd experience that it really divided people. Like some people were like, this is really cool. I like this. Some other people were like, this is really boring and I have to put down a ladder and 20 people use my ladder. Yeah. And I don't really care about this. So <laughs> like, did either of you get a chance to really dive into this game and like really dissect I beat it. it? You beat yeah, it? Okay, beat so, it. okay, good. Yeah. So you guys can talk about this. Oh, you beat it too, Wes? Yeah, I did. Yep. Oh. Okay. Okay. Well, Wes, I'll say, Wes, start with you. Let's. Okay, Death Stranding. Like, how do you feel about it now, a year later? I think that it is a good game. I don't think that it's a great game for me personally. Yeah. Um, I would, I would put it in that like seven and a half. Okay. Out of ten range. Um, I think it's it's um it's got a lot of cool stuff going for it. Um, you know, you see the 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 thing about the the Kojima games is he, he puts out these really cool trailers that he cuts from self and all the crazy stuff going on. You're like, what is going on? What is this? And, um, he promised, uh, or there was a promise that, you know, um, by the time you finish that game, you will understand. (laughs) Lies. No, (laughs) no, actually I was going to say, I think they did a really pretty good job of wrapping up what is going on in this game. The story is really unique and I think they told it in a pretty, pretty decent way. I mean, obviously there's stuff that you, it's like, why does this person have these powers or whatever? Well, okay. You don't Mm. really ever get that level of context i'm sure there's lore hounds that could explain it or whatever but um but i think that they they did for it for a kind of like an open world apocalyptic game they really created and crafted a a unique uh story the characters are wonderful it's super well acted and performed um 
the thing that killed it for me was uh, the gameplay, really. I just tracking and hauling boxes from one location to the next um, where you're just kind of overloaded. Oh, my battery's running out. Um, you know, I, the thing that where actually lets me go at a decent pace, I don't have that anymore. Mm. So I got to trudge over. Oh, there's another one 300 meters that way. I walk <laughs> over there. It just, it, uh, it wasn't that enjoyable for me. Sure. Um, there are, you know, a lot of options for, for getting from place to place in the game, which I do appreciate. You have trucks, you've got motorcycles, you've got exoskeleton suits and stuff like that. Um, but it's just basically walking from place to place. Um, you're There's a very specific story reasons why, um, you know, combat is not a thing. You are very uh, not supposed to kill people in that game because there are huge repercussions if you do um, and story repercussions for that. Um and so um, I thought, again, the, the world was cool. I thought it looked great. Again, we talked about that, that Decim engine before. It looked mm-hmm. fantastic. It had a, a killer soundtrack with a lot of licensed music. And the, even the, the original score was, was very, very good. Obviously, I think it, um, it was nominated uh, at the Game Awards for, yeah. for its music. Um, so um, I thought it was a good game. I'm glad that I played it. I'm glad I experienced it. But uh, it's not one that uh, sits in the the annals of my top ten or anything like that. So sure, yeah. Well, Caden, it sounds like you've got some thoughts on this though too. Yeah, I uh, think I was more tolerant to some <laughs> of the dumber crap of this game because I'm a huge Hideo Kojima fan. You know, I've played like Metal Gear one through five, mm-hmm. um, and so much so that uh, between my brothers and I, we're all such big Metal Gear fans and have played them so many times that we how almost have like our own like shorthand jargon it's like our own dialect when we talk to each other that's made out of like 50 percent like metal gear solid memes <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> anyway uh this game uh i similar to what wes said i really enjoyed my time with it i'm glad i played it and i don't think i'm ever going to replay this game and if you're thinking about playing it i think that when it first came out, there's this sort of like mysteriousness to the game. Like, oh, it just it seems weird based off the gameplay that they've shown. Like, it seems like you're just walking. Like, is there something more? Like, what what is it that people are like losing their minds over? And like, there there really isn't anything more to it than that. Like, if you <laughs> look at gameplay of it and it looks like you're gonna like it, then play it. But if it looks like you're not gonna like it, there's not anything more to it. Like, just don't play it. <laughs> but uh. There are a lot of things I really love about this game and that I feel like make it unique and stand apart. Um, there's sort of these games that come along every so often that sort of like hyper focus on a mechanic and like that's what the game is about, you know. Um, I'm kind of struggling to think of another example right now, but maybe it'll come to me later. But there's not really been another game that's sort of dived as deeply and fleshed out as much the simple mechanic of just walking as this game like you can't you don't just walk like you don't just press forward on the control stick and walk like the terrain is uneven and uh you can scan and look for patches of flat and difficult terrain and the amount of weight that you're carrying causes you to become imbalanced if you're carrying too much so you literally have to compensate for the amount of weight you're carrying by um, walking slowly walking over a certain type of terrain readjusting your grip while you're 
tipping over. Like you literally hold the L and R buttons to simulate Sam like gripping onto like oh, the straps yeah. of his backpack. So it's like you're just totally absorbed in every second of like the act of putting one step in front of the other and making sure you don't fall over. And <laughs> For some reason, that's just something that really hooked me. I don't know. Like, uh, I feel like if that sounds dumb to you, you're probably not going to enjoy it. You know, it's not like there's anything more to it than that. Um, but also just this feeling of isolation and loneliness was captured so well in the game, especially when there are certain set pieces where you're walking over certain environments and the queue, like a really um, like emotional track to go with it. And um just the multiplayer mechanic of sharing the infrastructure that you build on the server that you're on with other players that are online was an extremely unique experience that I've not seen another game do, except for probably something like Minecraft or something. But sure. uh, just, it's almost like you had to go through the difficulty and frustration of simply traversing the environment to appreciate later in the game when the players are combining their efforts to put in roads and zip lines and things that make your traversal easier, like garages with trucks in them. So like the first time you go through an environment, it's like step by step and you're falling over and you're having to gingerly walk around like areas that are infested with ghosts and you know, by the end of the game, you're just on like an Akira motorcycle, just booking it at like 120 <laughs> miles an hour down the road. And it's just so gratifying. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I really did enjoy the game. I think it's something special. Um, and also, I think the most um, one of the most emotional moments in any game I've ever played is the ending of that game, um, because uh your relation, we didn't even talk about the baby. God, no. <laughs> you got this baby. There's, there's too much to dig into. We could be sitting here for a long time. With yeah, it's, it's a long story <laughs> short. You're carrying this baby around that's essential to your own survival and you're essential to its survival through the entire game. You form a really deep relationship with and um, you're forced to um, basically kill the baby uh, at the end of the game. And what? it's okay it, i'm not a crier like I don't, I don't cry like things don't make me that emotional so it means a lot when i say like i got like misty eyed sure and this scene happened but yeah, yeah. It, it's just mad mickelson is in it he's like the sexiest man ever alive i mean it's just a crazy i don't know so yeah i i think again like yeah that that ending was really something and and it that's i think the story is what makes that game stand out in my mind. And, and it was, yeah. it was really cool and it's worth experiencing. You mentioned yeah. the, the, uh, the online portion. And I think, um, one thing that's worth mentioning about that is I think, um, your mileage may vary with that because mm -hmm. it, it seems like it categorizes you with certain people on a server. Like you get stuck right. with certain people on the server and those are the people on your, that you're on with. Mm -hmm. And if those people aren't, adding and contributing to the the environment, you know, putting stuff down for you, helping you to build those roads and stuff like that, then you don't ever like really get that experience. And yeah. I only got that in like one part of the game, like maybe like a third of the way through where mm -hmm. people were like setting stuff down and people were adding stuff. And I went over and I added stuff and the rest of the game was just like barren. So I think it's a yeah, cool mechanic really cool. and a great idea. 
but people have to like invest in it and you have yeah. to get them, get them like, and, and if you have like a really good group of people that are like building stuff all over the place, man, you can make that game. I don't want to say a cakewalk, but so much easier and so much nicer to go yeah. through um, because you can ride your, your motorcycle everywhere to get wherever you need to. But, uh, but yeah, it, it would be nice to maybe incentivize people a little bit more mm-hmm. to do that. Sure. And I, and it makes me wonder if I like went back and I played it again or like jump back in. Cause you can jump back in when you're like, you're done and go back and deliver more packages or whatever. Right. Um, you know, how much more fleshed out would that, would my world be now? Yeah. Now that it's been like a year plus since it's been out. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, that's, that's right. That's weird. Cause it's like, obviously I'm hearing good things and bad things about this game. It kind of reminds me a little bit of like, um, last guardian in a sense where like, there's sure. some things that people really liked. And then also mm-hmm. some aspects that people are like, this is really horrible. It's really frustrating me. Gameplay versus kind of story again. If the story is yeah. good enough to drag you through some of the gameplay stuff, you might not usually like. Yeah. But... And I don't think that it's, I don't want to give the impression. I think it's like bad. I think the gameplay is fine, but it's just not very exciting in some places. It's not for everyone. Sure. You know? so, yeah. Fair yeah. Enough. But it has some definitely it, the it really has some good spooky moments in it too though. Mm. So if you wanted to play like a, a spooky game, the the, yeah. BT, the BT sections are actually pretty um can be pretty intense. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that's Death Stranding. Uh and we're going to kind of skip over one here, but we'll come back to it. But you're kind of talking about spooky kind of scary games and the one person I know who has played this year, I believe it's you, Wes, uh a more of a recent game that's come out, Last of Us Part Two, oh yeah which i know pretty much all the story about now um and some people might not but at the same time these are spoilers so you know what i mean just like i want you to speak freely but you played through the whole thing uh mm-hmm. did you do it right when it came out or did you do it more recently yeah i did it right when, right when it came out um one thing that i'll mention uh that uh people may not know is that um caden and i run a discord server together so we do know each other outside of this uh outside of this uh podcast and and one of the things we do on our discord server is a game club so it's kind of like a book club where we all play a game uh in our group and then we come together and we kind of talk about it and the details and we ended up having like a nine hour game club (laughs) and break it up into sections but it was really long and uh, um but we 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 ended up discussing the last of us part two in the game club so we played it right when it came out Mm-hmm. And um, and I love this game. This is uh, one of my favorite games of the generation. Oh, and I know wow. that it's it's kind of a um, some people love it, some people hate it. Some people's like, how could you do what you did in this game? How you know you you've you've killed <laughs> off one of my favorite characters ever. Whatever, I, I hate you. But um, you know, I I really enjoyed this game and i thought the last of us was really good but i really enjoyed what they did with this game um the story has some really gut-wrenching parts to it um very violent um and obviously like you said um they kill one of the they kill the protagonist from the the uh, first game almost right at the beginning of the they game they kill ellie right off yeah ellie, <laughs> ellie. <laughs> I miss her so much. Joel does it. He kills her. He just beats her to death. No, uh, but uh, so that didn't sit well with a lot of people. I know. Um, but I wanted to see, you know, what vision that Naughty Dog had for this game. And um, I thought, from a gameplay perspective, I, I thought that it was such a tighter game than the last game. Um, really? The environments are a lot more open, um, and in the first game you, you walk around and it's, it's very much like a kind of like a cover based shooter almost. 
and you take cover behind everything. You're sneaking behind cover, everything. This game has that too, but everything in the design is everything blends in so well that it doesn't feel like boxy. Like the first game did sure. like everything. I felt like you're like behind a square somewhere mm-hmm. in this game. It, it, a lot of it's, it's similar, but, um, you don't feel that it just feels like a really well-designed map and everything is more open. The enemies are, um, it's you're, you're, you're trying to sneak around and you can engage directly with the enemies and fight the enemies head on. That's no problem, but you know, your, your resources, um, can tend, can be limited, um, depending on what difficulty you set the game on. Um, and so when you're getting into these fights, a lot of the time it's, it's uh, advantageous to, to do it stealthily, take as many enemies out stealthily as you can. And if you do break stealth and you do get into it with these guys, you can, you can get away and get back into stealth and the enemies are on guard and they're looking for you. But I felt like that in, in the first game, it was kind of hard to break away. Mm-hmm. And um, in this game um, you can, and I really like that. I felt like, um, uh, each uh, there's kind of two sections of the story where you play as two different characters. They each get their own kind of unique weapons and loadouts as you go through the game, which is great. And um, uh, I liked I like the way that the story uh, unfolded. Um, I can't say that you know the ending was uh, really um, heartwarming or endearing in any way, um, but I appreciate that. Naughty Dog had, uh, you know, a vision. They went with it. Um, it was the game that they wanted to make. And um, it has just some of the coolest encounters and some of the most, like, genuinely human moments in any game that I've ever played. Like, the way that the characters interact with each other and you care about them so much and they feel like real people. Um, they may not always make the decisions that you want them to make Ellie in particular, as she goes through the story, but you can understand why she's doing the things that she's doing for the most part. And um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's an experience. It's just a, a an experience. And um, I think that everybody should, uh, if you can, if you can stomach the violence of it, you should play the game because um, there's a lot there to unpack. Sure. Uh, Kate, did you have anything you wanted to say about this from an outsider perspective? Yeah, um, I think I had to take a pass on it because it came out like when it came out right after we did the game club for the first Last of Us. And it was the first time I'd actually played through that entire game. And uh, that game just narratively was incredible. Like, I feel like it's one not only like one of the best narratives in a video game but like one of the best narratives in like any media and to like people who think video games aren't art like you know go soak your head i don't know (laughs) but uh uh, i think i just didn't want to play it right away because i was still kind of like soaking in like the perfection of the story of the first last of us and i didn't want to like create an opportunity to like possibly shatter that (laughs) so i probably just also didn't have enough money to buy it at the time (laughs) so uh, that's what i'm really eager to get to eventually but um yeah it just seemed like anyone who really had anything bad to say about that game was kind of a asshole and most of like the 
criticisms were uh, because they didn't want to play a female character or because a female character with muscles killed Joel, you know, just like dumb, like sexist, stupid ideas like that. And, you know, certainly there's people, probably more people than that actually have like valid criticism of the game. They're just not this crazy vocal minority who wants to like tear down a game just for having like a female protagonist. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to playing to, uh, playing it. Sure. Uh, I watched some kind of stuff about it recently to kind of like get up to speed on it. I guess my issue is with the first Last of Us. I loved it. I thought it was so good. I didn't want any more. Like I was like, yeah. I, I wanted that. To, I'm like, just let that it's be a like thing. Where I was at. By yeah. Its, yeah, I'm like, just let it be by itself. I don't need I don't need to know the future. And like, so this kind of feels like unnecessary to me. And knowing the length of this game being basically like double from the first one, the first one yeah, it's very long, like a slog yeah. to me, uh, and kind of looking into. And also, I, I'm a big. I I know you kill dogs in a lot of games, but this one is like <laughs> way more <laughs> yeah. personal, and like it's manipulative. Where it's like, well, the enemy really loves dogs, and you're like, and then you gotta like see it from that point of view. I'm like, I just don't. I don't want to do that right now. But personally. Jimmy, if you don't want to have anything to do with, um like dog stuff then you probably don't want to play this game because there's some dog stuff in this game and it's not just it's not just even from uh like oh there's enemy dogs oh no i saw it i know what they did i know what they did that's why that's my legit criticism with this game you guys are monsters naughty dog that's fair that's fair yeah (laughs) i i I, you know that was that's pretty heavy stuff especially when you realize later on in the story some of the stuff that happens earlier on and, and there's, I won't ruin it for Caden cause he hasn't played it, but sure. you, you re- make a realization about something with one of the dogs and you're like, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And I get that. Like wow. some people enjoy like feeling bad about themselves. That's why we have souls fans. Right. I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. uh, like, that, I felt like last of us already made me feel bad enough. And this one didn't like the last of us kind of had like a, Oh, well we did all that stuff, but it was for like a good reason. And this one's like, <laughs> you did all that bad stuff. And there's no good reason for it. You're like, <laughs> yeah. you're like, oh gosh. And you're like, you're just like, you did all these bad things. You can't take them back. And you're like, oh god, you're right. Um, but I get it. It's a, it's a gorgeous game. It's beautiful. Really well acted. There's some stuff in there. I think most like of the big um, people who had the criticisms with it, they couldn't deny some of that stuff. You're like, wow. Like, look at this. Like, like, look at this game. Like, this is insane. So yeah. I'm curious to see if they technical, ever. It's a technical marvel really oh totally yeah and i'm i'm curious to see if they do make a last of us part three but uh again that's what i just like the last of us that first one is just so it holds a special place yeah. in my heart and i played that my friend had it and i would go play it at his place and he didn't want to play it he just wanted to watch it like a movie so we kind of mm-hmm. like played through it together and i was like oh man this is so there's like these kind of long intense play sessions yeah. where i'd be like oh my gosh dude it's like a crazy movie like uncharted yeah. you know it usually is the but. And the, the one thing, because I don't think people tend to think about The Last of Us 1 as really a horror game. It is, yeah. Even though it is. Yeah. But this game really ratchets up the horror. So if you wow. like playing horror games and survival horror games, there are some there are some sections in this game that really, really ratchet it up. Sure. And nobody, that's the funny thing. Nobody in all of these like super long form reviews that I was watching for this, nobody talks about like that. A lot of them, it was more stuck on the story and the gameplay itself, but not like the, you know, the clickers and stuff, which was such a huge portion of the first game. Like that was Mm -hmm. like the point of that game, right? Like, how do you stop this thing? Now it seems like it's just like 
it's just kind of in the world, but it's good to hear that they still have big segments like that. Nobody's no, talking about a, it. So. There's a boss fight in this game that I will remember forever just oh, wow. <laughs> for how intense it is. Dude, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. His, his name is Kiryu. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> this is yeah. our cross. This is the cross pollination. Uh, last was part two, though. So that's um, any other uh, final thoughts you want to have? Yeah. Here, Wes, or uh, Caden? No, I should say. I'll start with Caden. There's. One thing I'd like to mention that I definitely saw a lot of in the news uh, was just that this game seems to have done more than any other game in terms of accessibility um, mm, for people yeah. that are like hearing and visually impaired. And uh, I just really commend them for that. Um, you especially seem to not see AAA games um, really do that. Um, usually if any games do it, they're more like AA or indie games. Um, but I just really wish that kind of stuff would become industry standard and there was actually like a standardization system for how to put that stuff into a game um, because it just really goes ignored a lot of the time. So, you know, big kudos to them for doing that. Sure. Great. I love it. Wes, anything else? Um, I, I, I could sit here and talk about the last of us uh, part two for nine hours, like we did in our game club. <laughs> sure, probably. Yeah. So I'm just going to leave it here, but I think it's a game that, um, like I said before, if you can, uh, it's a, it's a violent game, but if you can stomach the violence, um, the human moments in it and the, just the beauty, uh, of the world that they crafted and, um, you know, the, there's, there's a lot there and it's worth seeing. So I would, um, I would recommend people to, to check it out if you if you haven't already and maybe look past some of the kind of um, naysayers of the game um, because I think it's uh, it's really an experience. Sure. And like I said, I haven't played it, but zero out of ten for dog violence. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'm coming for you, naughty dog. What's going on? The dog is in your name. Guys, you should yeah. be the ones protecting. Anyway, yeah. um, no, there's there's more to it than that, obviously, but such an interesting kind of divisive game too that it was just it's fun to like go back um, and see like all these differing opinions on it now um i will say this though what i like about um that other person you play as i like the whole just really good at punching thing seems pretty fun i was like oh that, that character's like, I was like oh, all right um I'm, I'm all about that that's pretty cool uh yeah just a little bit of fun in your video game it's just a little bit naughty dogs like you're only getting this much uh, another game I want to talk about from well, was two more games for PlayStation to talk about in 2020 here. Uh, two major games, one maybe one of the biggest games of all time, being remade or you know and whatnot. But that's Final Fantasy VII remake, the game yes. that we thought might never happen and has come back uh, in a big crazy way. And wow, what a weird like it's so weird. We live in a time that we put all this money into making like one third or fourth of a video game. You know what I mean? Like of an yeah. old game where it's mm -hmm. like, here's the section and we're going to make more of these. Hopefully it does well enough. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, for people who haven't played the, like the really classic, you know, um, turn, turn based RPG that is final fantasy seven, this takes place within the first six to 10 hours of that, but stretched out over like 40 or 50 hours mm -hmm. somehow. Uh, yep. <laughs> Kate, I'm gonna start with you here. Final Fantasy VII Remake. What do you think? Uh, <laughs> this game. This is another one uh, we did in our game club, and I think we split it into two or three discussions, and each one was like two to three hours long. Like, <sighs> there's so much uh, 
theory crafting going on in this game. Uh, it's so open to interpretation, and you just don't know what they're going to do next. But uh, just my background, Final Fantasy VII. Um, I've tried to play Final Fantasy VII a few times. I've never finished it. Um, it's just personally not for me. I just don't really like anything about it, um, which, you know, that's just my personal opinion. It's totally fine if you like Final Fantasy um, VII specifically uh <laughs> good, good specification buddy <laughs> yeah i love plenty of the other final fantasy games but uh so you know i was in the weird position of not being a newcomer not being a fan of the original game just kind of coming into it sort of like lukewarm just kind of like playing it because it was the new hotness and it sort of felt like an unmissable event in gaming like how often does something like this happen you know um but uh i came away from it pretty mixed you know like i give it like a solid like 7.5 out of 10 it's just like kind of like you know it's fine and uh it just it wouldn't even begin to enter in my game of the year discussion this year um but uh i just uh overall felt like many of the new additions to the game were not good the side quests were like 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 freshman out of game design school <laughs> side quest design and then uh i recently watched this interesting video there's this um organization called uh world of final fantasy or something like that and uh they're just like a huge like uh organization of final fantasy fans and they like organize like interesting polls and stuff but they recently did this really comprehensive poll on final fantasy 7 remake um that had like over twenty thousand people have participated in it um just pulling their opinion on different aspects of the game and uh what was really interesting about it was they had a section polling how much people liked um the new characters um so there's that one character kyrie um she's got like the striped stockings um she's a completely new character i think she's like the daughter or protege of the master thief old lady character mm -hmm. yep. who I think was also a new character mm -hmm. and they broke down the poll um, between uh, fans of the original um, newcomers and people that uh, had like, I guess played final fantasy games before. So they weren't like newcomers to the series, but um, they weren't like huge fans of the original game. And I think like overall, like all those categories combined, like, I think it was like 90% of people like voted that they disliked this new character. And it was like, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, I felt like all the new characters like Chocobo Sam, uh, like Madam M, Kyrie, uh, and now Johnny's not a new character, but they fleshed oh. out his character more in this game. And I just did not like any of them. Uh, I like Johnny's theme music. That's what yeah, I like about but you know <laughs> i don't want to drag the game through the dirt uh this entire time because uh, there were things i did like about it um i did think though there were flaws with it the battle system was really interesting and it just kind of like depended on what character you played like i felt like it sucked to play as um Aerith and barrett but it was extremely engaging to play as tifa um mm -hmm. more so than cloud and uh I felt like while you were sticking to the main plot for the most part, there's still some like side stuff that was annoying that felt like padding, like sure. the second trip to the sewers and stuff like that. Oh, but for okay. the most part, I did enjoy the critical path and I really enjoyed the characterization of the characters because um, 
you know, in the original game, it's all just text boxes. And we have seen um, more fleshed out depictions of these characters in the compilation of Final Fantasy VII, like in Advent Children and stuff like that. But this was still kind of like a fresh start for them to come up with new interpretations on these characters because it takes place several years before Advent Children. So they're not the same person necessarily. And uh, I really felt like they knocked it out of the park with the main cast. Um, and uh, especially um, how they uh, fleshed out um, the Avalanche members, um, Jesse, Biggs, and Wedge. Um, I really enjoyed everything with those characters. Um, but yeah, it just, the game was really hit or miss on a lot of uh, qualities for me. But I, I guess, you know, they mostly um, got it where it counts. You know, like the core gameplay's fun and like the main cast is fun. Um, so you know, it's a cool. solid game, just not not like a masterpiece. Sure. You know? Yeah, Wes, how about you? It sounds like you also kind of have a, a history with this. Yeah, I, I mean, like Caden mentioned, we played it for our game club. I liked it. I think uh, significantly more than than Caden. Um, I think that this battle system that they came up with for uh, with this game is my favorite RPG battle system ever. Wow, wow cool. It's I and I am by no means a master of the battle system. But uh, it's just so much fun to play. You know, it's so much fun to, um, you know, you can play it like a like an action game almost. But I love how you can pause mid midstream. You have to charge up, you know, your meters and then you let off these big moves and you can combo those moves if you're good into some really extreme, really, you know, heav- heavily damaging attacks. Um, I don't know if you guys ever watched those like uh, Sunni Legend. Um, oh yeah, dude. Awesome. On Twitter, some of the stuff he was putting up there with Final Fantasy VII R was amazing. Just blew my mind. And a lot of them were Tifa based because you know she's she's fast uh, attack and and can you know combo really well. But um, just the fact that you can do that with this with this game, mm-hmm. this battle system, it's just awesome. And I really loved it. Um, I just had a, a really good time playing the game i would agree that the the side quests were pretty boring um and pretty bland um and you know you kind of have to do a lot of that stuff you get set up in these missions like oh okay go go here do this side quest go here do this you have to do a number of these side quests before you can kind of move on with the story and it wasn't super engaging but I, I think the game looks fantastic the the soundtrack is one of the best this year just the way that they they retooled that thing. Yeah, uh, for sure. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. And I could, I could listen to it all day. Yes. Um, I love how the callbacks to the original uh, with the enemy designs, like you're like, how am I going <laughs> to yeah. take, how am I going to take this house that I fought in the, yeah. <laughs> in this area? And they just, you know, okay, well let's turn it into a boss battle in the arena. And um, I, I really liked it the way they did that. Um, some of the story stuff, um, uh, Caden mentioned before, there's like, you know, a lot of theories on where they're going with that. And it, you can really go down a wormhole uh, with that or a rabbit hole um, if you want to spend the time. And honestly, when I first finished the game and I started listening to some of that stuff, it it blew my mind. And I wasn't really sure that I liked it all that much. But um, the more time that I've spent away from the game... Um, kind of the more receptive I've become to that. Hmm. And the fact that, I mean, again, this is a, it's a remake. 
in the sense that they're kind of retelling the story, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're beholden to do everything exactly the same. Yeah. So the events are the same, but doesn't necessarily mean that the outcome is going to be the same or what's feeding into it's the same. And I don't know if we want to <clears throat> really discuss the, the ending of the game at all here. Yeah, I'll um, be here for four more hours if exactly. we do that. <laughs> yeah. So it's probably best to kind of stick clear with that, but there's some wild stuff going on there. Um, yeah. And uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do in the future with it. Um, considering what they did with the ending of that game. Yeah. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for me, I, I did a lengthy review on this thing. Uh, it, is a game of severe highs and crippling lows. Uh, and there are just some moments where I was like, this is firing on all cylinders. It is, it is so amazing. It's so cool. Even if you're not a Final Fantasy VII diehard fan, you'll be like, this is wow. And then there's like, man, I'm doing a side quest to like go and find cats. And you're like, why? And like the 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 gear system I thought was so or the, the materia system was so yeah. tedious um, just because you never knew how long a character would stay with you. And so mm, characters yeah. would come and leave from your party a lot. And there was always this weird thing in the narrative where they're like, we got to go save this person. And then they're like, before you left, like, but we should probably stay and do all these side quests. So I was like, is it, do we need to save them or not? Like, it's fine. Mm. I just hate having you be like, we got to go do this. I'm like, Hey Barrett, just calm yourself. <laughs> I appreciate this. Um, but man, yeah, some of, it's so funny too. like the, some of the textures and then like the reverse sky boxes of like the city on the ground. I was like, yeah. how is this in this game? Like how out of yeah. all the games, you know, is that put in here? And a lot of people are like, maybe it was like old images from like the old game. And it's like an homage. And I was like, yeah, it seems it's a little lazy. Um, <laughs> you're the worst looking like, hotel door you've ever seen. I know it's yeah. so, and it's crazy. Cause I'm like, it's a linear experience for the most part. Cause you're kind of running down these hallways. It's yeah. a lot of people can it to FF 13. I was like, how, like, I, I feel like in linear games, you can't get away with that as much. Cause in open worlds, you might be like, all right, I found a door in a back alley that I wasn't supposed to go to. And it doesn't look great, but this game's like, look at this. And like some of the water coming out of the pipes was like, you could tell it was being spawned <laughs> right there. I was like, and again, these are just little things because the game, yeah. the characters look so good. The main characters, the side yeah. characters, like maybe not so, or the NPCs. I'm yeah. like, I've seen you like definitely, two a, times. definitely a step down. Compared yeah. To the um, but, it's man the, i love how the summons look i don't really love how you get the summons and they're like a vr nope. thing nope. Uh, i was like i'm like i don't i wasn't a huge fan of that but there's so many cool moments and i adore sephiroth he's one of my favorite villains of all time and we won't get too far into him but just seeing him throughout the game uh here and there i was like i just want to see you more because i was like you look you look amazing and as wes so pointedly put it one of the best soundtracks of this generation for me was this. And how many times have we heard them redo Final Fantasy VII? But this time feels like it's the one. Yeah. Like they poured the money into it. They're like, make sure that the battle sequence and the theme is just like, oh, you hear it. You're like, let's fight. Um, and uh, yeah, the fight system, I think is really interesting. Uh, Wes, I'm glad it's your favorite of like all time because I think it's it's really cool to like mix the old mm-hmm. with the new in a way that I would never have tried to come up with. But mm-hmm. yeah, there's um a lot to like in Final Fantasy VII Remake, but there's a lot to kind of get frustrated with. So I'm really curious to see when they blow this puppy open in the sequel, like what they're going to do. Because it's so, and Nomura being involved in the kind of Kingdom Hearts aspects of it. It's like, yeah, it's going to get wild. I think it's going to get wild. It might frustrate a lot of fans, but yeah, uh, yeah I'm just, I'm glad it exists. And I'm glad that they finally got it out because we've been waiting for this one 
something with Final Fantasy lately, right, boys? Like, it's just years and years before we get these things out. And I'm just like, just... Yeah, I'm wondering what's going to come first. Um, Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two or Final Fantasy Sixteen? Now that Sixteen has been revealed, it's like, okay. Yeah. It yeah. seems like Sixteen is pretty far along. Considering I've heard it's been uh, in development for like four years already. Oh, wow. So. That's huge. Okay, yeah. well, that's, that's good. Like, that's like about half the time that they need, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, if we get Final Fantasy Remake yeah. Part 2 by 2030, I'll be like, I'm impressed. <laughs> like, good job, everybody. We got there. Uh, I'm also, once we play that one, too, we'll kind of get a better feeling for how many more games they could make out of this. If they're going to make three or four. I heard for a while it was going to be three, but I don't know. I, I have absolutely yeah. no idea. So I've heard recently that because the game didn't sell as well as they thought it would, it might only be one more part. Oh. So that means that next one might be like freaking killer. It might be like a 120 hour <laughs> game and it's got everything shoved in it. And they're like, hey, dude, we got Vincent. Like, let's go. Like, you know. Oh, that's another thing. It's a little thing and maybe it's kind of a spoiler. But while he's in the game, there's that tease for the last party member you pick up that you can't play as. And I was like, I just want to oh. play as this person. Yeah. And he's so cool. Oh, gosh. Yeah. He, they did a great job with yeah, the looks of those I, characters. I don't know. I, I wish they would have given you some control with him thank it you it doesn't make sense that no. they have him in there for like the last six hours or whatever and <laughs> i feel like somebody cracked the code too and like they were able to play as him and oh, they wow. were like it's in the game but you can't i'm i'm not for sure on that but i remember seeing a video about this and i was like really i was like it's kind of like virgil with the um, devil may cry 5 like he was in the game you could if you could crack into it but uh they're like yeah we'll save that for special edition mm -hmm. stuff and i'm like you're killing me you're <laughs> killing me oh my gosh anyway um but yeah Final Fantasy 7 remake i'm just i'm crazy that it came out this year earlier this year feels like forever ago uh Last big game I want to talk about exclusively here, and then what I think we'll do, because we have been going on for a long time, boys, as you, <laughs> like two and a half hours, um, maybe we'll like get into your guys' kind of like your best ones that weren't necessarily exclusive. It could be cross-platform, it could be on Switch, it could be on whatever. But mm -hmm. I do need to talk about um, right now, probably my game of the year, which at the recording of this, it's kind of beginning of October, that is the Ghost of Tsushima. Mm -hmm. The other game I bought my PlayStation 4 for, and man, oh man, I adore this game so much. Uh, it is just, it is everything I want it to be. Uh, it is, it's great action. I do care about all the characters, which usually mm -hmm. games like this, I don't remember any side characters names. I knew everybody, which was so cool. <laughs> like I know like they're fighting alongside me after I did their cool optional side quest for so long. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just like the ultimate yep. samurai fantasy that also has moments of just, you know, peace and harmony, which is, I, I love uh Wes yeah. you how, how do you feel about it oh, I love Ghost of Tsushima it's such a great yeah. game yeah I had I was struggling with it when I first started to play it because I, I felt like I wasn't I mean I was really bad at the combat when I started out it's tricky and I because I wanted to play like a samurai right and I was like oh let's go in sword only and blah, blah 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 but I don't that's not really how you're meant I mean you can play the game that way and as the as the skill tree opens up, you know, you get more options for, you know, your various um, stances and everything like that. But it's really meant to be played using all your tools and they give you so many. And it's so fun that you, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to throw a kunai at, the, at that guy. And then I'm going to smoke bomb and I'm going to backstab this guy. And then I'm going to shoot these two guys in the head with an arrow. And then I'm going to, you know, <laughs> and then I'm going to take the last guy the out with, with a duel, you know, and it's, it's, uh, 
oh man, it's, it's just so good. I, I, I totally agree with you. And, um, you talk about the tranquility, but I mean the, the, um, it's, it's an open world game and I've never seen so much vibrancy of color used in a game yeah. like this. Um, they just go all out the, the, the yellows and the blues and the reds and, and everything. It's, it's just so bright and beautiful. And, you know, when I first started playing, I was kind of like, well, it doesn't seem like it, it, um, like the character models and everything, they're not like the most like detail. It's not like uh, your, your Spider-Man characters or anything like that, or your, or your, right. your God of War characters. They're not quite as high fidelity as that. But um, the more you play it, um, the, the beauty of that world just starts to work itself on you. And you, you know, you're just walking through and the music is um, uh. it's not constant music, you know, it, it comes and it goes. And um you get to a spot and you're just like standing up on this ridge overlooking this waterfall and there's just you cherry blossoms, you know, falling everywhere and you have a, a moment and you sit and you write a haiku uh-huh. about something that you're thinking about, or you, you sit in the, in a bath and you, and you ponder, you take a, you, you don't have, it's not constant action. You sit and you ponder your, your situation, you ponder your life and what's going on with you. And I really appreciate that. It was, it, it's just cool. And, um, the combat is, is fantastic. I, I, I said, I struggled with it at the beginning, but the more time I spent with it, the, you know, the better I got. And you really do start to feel like such a badass mm-hmm. samurai slash ninja. Um, the side characters are all good. They're all memorable because the game it doesn't force you. You can do, you can, they're, they're optional, but, I don't see why you wouldn't want to do the missions because the characters are good and their side, just so Caden, so you know, like um, all the main side characters that you meet, they're like characters that will help you as you go through the game. Awesome. Um, And you do uh, these series of missions for them. There's like eight or nine for every character. And so you really get to know them as you go through the game. And there there's three acts in the game. And um, you can't do all of the side missions at once. They're like spread out as you work through the game and, and through the different regions that you go into. And so you really get a good feel for who these people are and their, their um, kind of their faults and their strengths. And um, yeah, they really, they really grow on you by the end. And there's some really good twists and surprises in the story that I liked. Oh man. And it just, the, it just tugs at your heart. I mean, <laughs> some of the stuff that happens in this game. Uh, who's your, who is your favorite side character? Oh, um, I really liked, uh, um, I can't think of her name, uh, Madam. Uh, You're talking to Masako? Lady Masako? Masako? Yeah, Lady Masako, yes. That's exactly that. I like Lady Masako, and I also really like Kenji. <laughs> Dude, Kenji's great. Yeah, Kenji's great. Yeah, He's he's always getting himself in trouble. For sure. But, uh, yeah, no, I liked Masako, and I felt like her tale probably most closely mirrored um, Jin's uh, tale because you know she was she was out for revenge. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know Jin lost pretty much everything to the Mongols, as did did Masako. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, without spoiling it, I will say something with Lady Masako happened that wasn't supposed to happen, and I had to do something again, and so I never looked at her the same way again in the future. Oh. I was like, 
I saw a different timeline that she never saw, but I just never trusted her for that. I was like, Lady Masako. And she was like still my buddy to the end, but still I was just like, I saw, I saw, it was like in uh, like Avengers, like an endgame. It was like, you take one of the stones and it makes its own timeline. And that's what happened to me. I was like, I shouldn't have seen this. Um, yeah. But yeah. I loved uh, Ishikawa Sensei, the archer master. He was, yeah, I he, loved he, him. He rubbed me wrong a little bit oh, just really? because he was so like, hell bent on you know we're gonna get her we're gonna get her you know his is his student um and he was just you know wouldn't listen to reason mm-hmm. a lot of times and he was so prickly sure. uh compared to a lot of the other characters okay. i did really enjoy that and you don't do a lot of quests with her but um the uh i don't remember her, her name um but the um woman you go back to your residence to to get your armor mm-hmm. and the, the woman who was kind of like your caretaker growing up go. Yes. Um, her story was just like, I talked a little bit earlier about getting misty eyed, but just like, you know, you, you travel with her and, and she reveals some stuff about your family's past and stuff. And it's just like, Oh gosh. (laughs) Yeah. It's a great game. Kate, it sounds like you haven't played this yet. Yeah. And, uh, it's definitely right up my alley. Um, you know, you think I would be tired of, Feudal Japan because I recently played uh, Sekiro and Neo 2 and I also recently replayed Onimusha Warlords but like I just don't think it's possible to like be like you know tired of Feudal Japan it's such an interesting culture with such a unique aesthetic Um, and uh, the only reason I haven't gotten to this game is because there's just so many games out and I just haven't been able to fit it in Um, so yeah it's definitely towards the top of my backlog whenever i can get to it but uh yeah i've only heard amazing things from everyone who's played it uh, my brother's playing it right now um he's totally in love with it so yeah i'm really looking forward to it yeah yeah uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh to playing the uh the multiplayer yeah which wow. comes out comes in like a week or two next week i think That's yeah crazy. i thought it would be out a lot longer or uh, be, be a lot longer until that came out yeah, I yeah, thought it was going to be sooner, fun. honestly. I was like, oh, th- like I get why they waited to do it. Like That's totally fine. Um, but I'm interested to see how that... I wonder how much it's really... If it's just is it going to be like running around just with your buddies in the open world, just kind of... I don't think so. Game. I think it's going to be more like, you know, smaller areas and you kind of work your way towards a towards a goal. Okay. I, I could be wrong, but I, I don't I don't think it's like... That's the vibe I get, yeah. Okay, cool. Is this like... Yeah. A, do you have to... Is this a, a paid DLC thing? No, it's free. It's free. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good guy sucker punch. Good guy sucker punch. Which I was gonna say. That's another thing. They they like um. What were, someone was comparing um the beginning and ending of PS3 with um kind of some mm. of the Insomniac stuff. Sucker punch now being like they started off with Infamous Second Son and yeah. then they make Ghost of Tsushima, which in a way is so weird versus like you see the guerrilla games of the world where they're doing you know first person third person. This is still a third person open world action game, but just mm. incredibly competent. And like stripping away all like the super crazy like super powered aspects, which you'd think on paper people would be like, why would I want to play from this like studio who makes superhero games like just a samurai game now? But when you play it, you're like, oh, I get it because it feels incredible and it looks incredible yeah. and it makes mm-hmm. my PlayStation Four sound like a 747 when the leaves <laughs> aren't going. Uh, it's man, it's just I I cut together like a 23 minute review on it and it was a true pleasure. I adore it so much, Caden, and I'm yeah. excited for you to play it because I think you'll like it. You know? Yeah, for sure. I have I, I have um one 
more thing I want to say about it that I that I really like, and I just want to um, leverage one thing about it that I didn't like. Yes. Which uh, the thing that I I really do like is the relationship that you build with your horse and the attachment that you get to your horse oh, in this mm-hmm. game mm-hmm. is awesome. The yeah. way that he talks to the horse and he Love just it. like. I wouldn't trade anything for you, boy. Yeah, it's like, I love <laughs> he's like, he's like, you mean the world to me. It's just, it's just so great. Um, the the thing that I I kind of, I, I think it's the the biggest weakness against the game is the third act. Um, just because the area is less interest, the third area that you go into is like less interesting visually. Okay. Yeah. And there's, I feel like there's less to do. Okay. And by that point, it's it, it feels like it's getting um, a little repetitive. You know, you're not sure. they don't really add a lot of new things in the third area that the that you could do in the first two areas. You're basically just wrapping the game up, and so they yeah. You know. So it's nice that they have another area for um, finishing up the last of the side quests and um, wrapping up the main story. But uh, it uh, it left me feeling a little bit wanting compared to the first two acts of the game okay interesting i didn't feel that necessarily but maybe because i did so much of the side objective stuff that i was like oh yeah i should probably wrap this game up because i've been doing like every other thing i could possibly see so when third act came around i was like i do want to see how this ends and uh kudos to them by the way it won't spoil it for you caden but an intimate ending kind of like uh captain america civil war which they could have done one thing and then they went in a different direction and i was like this means so much more to me because they they weren't like we could do this thing they were like We'll just bring it down to this, and it's like, <sighs> it's like I don't know, Wes, if you felt that at all too, where you're like, this ending was like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it 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 left me like I, I I I was talking about it with some friends online, and we were both just like, yeah, just oh my gosh, I can't I can't believe how like emotional this is, you know? <laughs> exactly. It's it's crazy yeah. those games came like that game and the last was part two came out within like the span of like a month or so like those two yeah. big like ps4 juggernauts and they're, and they're both and they're like, like emotional such, and they're so polar opposite like in in the emotions that they're that they're you know that you get yeah. at the end of the game yeah. like you won't walk away from the last of us two feeling good about things you know yeah but but with the end of ghost of tsushima you're like you just went on a journey and mm. and the way that they wrap this up is just like so uh, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't even want to say because I, I want Caden to. <laughs> Thanks. Guys. I want Caden to be able to experience it without, without you know. But let's cut my it, audio and then you guys can gush about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember that part where at the very end, Jin woke up and it was all a dream, and he was like, "Oh my gosh!" No, it's kidding. He's actually on the, and he's actually on the SS Ishimura. Exactly. Know? in dead space <laughs> that would have see that right yeah. there i'd have been like well 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 i would like you've done it guys you pulled one over on old jimmy here um okay <laughs> so that is a brief history of the exclusive games for the most part that came out on the playstation 4 uh i, I was thinking about doing like this thing where we talk about all of the exclusives but we've been going on for a while here yeah and i think it's probably <laughs> gonna talk get, about it's too late that's okay so i want to give it over to you guys uh i want to start with you caden to talk about you know a game or two or whatever that really spoke to you cross-gen or whatever it's or cross-platform i should say um that you really loved and wanted to bring up i know i wrote down a few of yours so if you can't remember them i got you sure um that's hard i'm trying to pick just the one um you can pick one or two it doesn't matter like <laughs> sure well uh We'll probably talk about Monster Hunter one way or the other, so I'll probably pick something else. But 
Um, a game that keeps coming back to me is the Outer uh, Wilds, not mm-hmm. to be confused with the Outer Worlds. Um, this is a game uh, that I think has flown under a lot of people's radar that I highly encourage you to play. And uh, the one thing about this game was I thought that it wouldn't be enjoyable to replay it because the entire point of the game is that you're unraveling a mystery. So it seems like it would be pointless to replay it already knowing what the mystery is and what you have to do to solve the mystery. But um, I was staying with a friend um, a few months ago. I stayed with him for a few days and he just randomly decided to buy the game and we ended up playing through the entire game together. Um, This is after I had played the game and it was really just as enjoyable to replay it and just uh, witnessing his discovery of the game. But um, just uh, to give an idea of how this game works, um, it's an extremely unique design where it's a sci-fi game and you're in a star system and you have the ability to fly between uh, any planet in the star system whenever you want. So it's like an open world star system game. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's just extremely ambitious and each planet has uh, its own unique mechanic um, so there's like one planet that has a black hole in the center of it that's slowly dragging pieces of the crust of the planet into the black hole. So while you're trying to explore the planet, it's being destroyed little by little the entire time. And there's like uh, an ancient civilization that built a hanging city that like hangs down underneath the crust of the planet. So it's like a struggle to try and explore the city before the entire planet gets sucked into this black hole. And there's another planet where um, it's too... Um, planets that orbit each other and one is covered in sand and over time the gravity of the other planet that's orbiting it is slowly pulling the sand off of it and that building has a uh, like a subterranean cave system that you're trying to explore so over time it's slowly filling up with sand Um, so it's like a time trial but the gimmick of the game is that you're stuck in a time loop and you only have 22 minutes to play before the sun in the star system goes supernova and destroys the entire star system. And then you start back at the beginning of the time loop. So you have 22 minutes to explore each of these planets as much as you can. And the only progress that you make in the game is the discoveries that you make and the information that you learn on each planet. And there's no there's no combat, there's no skill tree or progression or anything. The entire point of the game and the reward of the game is discovering what's happening. and it has an extremely amazing payoff and uh, an emotional ending that really sticks the landing. And it's just such a unique experience. Um, I, I really just can't recommend it enough. If you're into mystery games or, or science fiction games or puzzle solving games or exploration games, you really got to play it. It's just fantastic. It was like, I, I couldn't decide between it and Resident Evil 2 remake as game of the year that year. It's that good. Like you, you, you gotta play it. Sure, cool, yeah. dude. That's a, what a great. The, your you said it was like an elevator pitch when you're talking about this. You're like, I would do like a 30 second <laughs> elevator pitch. That was yeah. a lot more than that, but it was great. It was really good. It's compelling, right. right? It's hard to well, it's hard to explain that type of game. Be like, you can play for 22 yeah. minutes. You're in a time loop. There's a black hole supernova. You've got that much time to play it. You've, but it's that was a better elevator pitch. Yeah. It's emotionally pay off at the end. So don't do. It's great. You want to want to make this game? Uh, see, that would not be. It'd be more emotional. <laughs> but dude, that's great. That's wonderful. Um. Wes, you know, for you, do you do you have a game or two that like, you know, just just spring to mind? And again, we did not cover all of our bases here tonight. 
So yeah, you know. yeah, I know. We had we had this whole like list, I think, that we wanted to yeah, run through, and there's just, there's just so much to say, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah, Use. I I will be remiss if I don't talk about The Witcher Three. Um, The Witcher yep. Three is easily my yes. game of the generation. Yes. Yep. Um. <laughs> so it looks like you you enjoy that one too. I agree. Yes. Yeah. Um. I I can't tell you how much I'm looking forward to Cyberpunk. Oh. Um, gonna be awesome but no uh but i won't talk about cyberpunk uh the witcher 3 uh i've spent probably easily over 300 hours playing the witcher 3 between the main uh campaign and all the dlcs um there's just so much there uh i i know people that don't like that game say that the combat is bad in that game but i get it i i i love it i love the fact that you have to that you have to prepare for your fights that you have to, you know, change your loadout. So you have your, your potions, the, the right kind of potions, the right kind of bombs uh, that you're going in that are effective against the specific kind of monster that you're going against. Um, and I, I love the, the, um, the spell system in the game um, for your signs that you use. And um just the the open world in that game, it's just mind blowing. It's so huge. Um, the city of Novigrad, in and of itself, it's like the size of an actual city. You walk around; it has districts, and um, there's so many NPCs. There's so many people that you can talk to and interact with, and they're all fairly unique for the most part. Um, the coolest thing that I really love about The Witcher Three is that it's one of the few games where the repercussions of what you do in one part of the game can tie into another part of the game later on. So if you make a certain choice in a certain quest line with a certain NPC, you may run into that NPC later on in the game. And it may or may not have something to do with the quest that you're in later. I remember there's one specific one um, where depending on what you do in a certain number of quests, you find these, you, you get these bounties, basically you go into town and uh, post uh, there'll be a, like a, a billboard in the middle of town and they'll have bounties posted there and you can take these witcher quests because you're you're the witcher you're, you're a monster hunter uh, by trade and you can you can do these quest lines and they have different outcomes depending on the choices that you make during the quest there's one quest uh, that I ran into where you get ambushed by these monsters later on and the monsters have it out for you like you're a monster killer you're 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 a, you're evil. You know, we we just want to live our lives in peace. You know, we're not humans, but you know, we are, we're still sentient beings. And, um, you can basically reason with the monsters and say, look, remember uh, I had this, uh, one instance where I fought this vampire and I worked out a trade so that the vampire could leave peaceably and, um, you know, be left alone. I had this other deal where there was a werewolf and rather than kill the werewolf, I lifted the curse from the werewolf. I did, you know, and you, you can like throw these things that you did earlier in the game back at these monsters that are like, basically got you on trial, throw it back in their faces. And they, you you can do the whole thing without having to fight any of them. That's so cool. And, you know, or, or you can just say the heck with you. Let's bring it, bring it on. Let's go, you know, and whip out your silver sword and throw some, uh, throw some, you know, oil on there and, and, you know, have it out. So it's, it's just great. Um, the, I talked, we talked before about the old hunters DLC for bloodborne and I do love that DLC, but 
uh, Witcher 3 has one of my, has the best DLC content uh, that I've ever played, which is the Heart of Stone uh, DLC yeah. that came out so for that good. game. Just like the villain Contra in that Contra of Dim, dude. Yeah. He's that, that guy. That, that, that fucking guy in the tavern at the beginning of the game you never see again. And it's like, that guy? Yeah. The guy that teaches you Gwent at the beginning of the game <laughs> is this is basically the devil in that. Wow. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and you have to, and he and he um, puts a puts a curse on you that basically um, he controls you, and you have to do what he says. He owns your soul basically, and and you have to try to get out from under that. And it's it's awesome. That's so cool. I think it should be said that the DLC for that game, both DLC are essentially the size of a game. Like you're essentially buying a whole nother game when you get one of those DLCs. Mm-hmm. Like the both the quality and the quantity of those DLC is just incredible. Like CD Projekt Red is just insane. Yeah, Blood and Wine just adds a whole it's a brand new yeah. region to the whole entire game. Yeah. It isn't in the isn't in the original game. Heart of Stone takes place in the uh, in the you know in the Velen area, I think, of the, the main mm-hmm. game. But um yeah Blood and Wine just blows it out. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I love that game. And the main story is cool. Uh the characters are cool. It's well acted. The game looks great. Um, it had some issues at launch. It's gone through mm-hmm. a lot of patching. Yeah. Um, but if you play it today, it's a it's a great experience. Yeah. So I can't say enough good things about The Witcher Three. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree. I didn't even play the DLCs, but the thing is, like, it starts to make me wonder what Cyberpunk DLC would be down the line. They're like, yeah, it's just like an eighty-hour <laughs> DLC for twenty dollars <laughs> yeah. or something. It'd be like, what? Um, yeah, <laughs> Witcher Three. I'm glad you brought that up because if you weren't, I was going to. So I was like, yep, that's one that needs to be brought up. And that came out the same year as Bloodborne, so a lot of people were yeah. saying. And it's cool to hear from yeah. you guys who are big Souls fans that that's excruciating game of the year discussion, dude. Sure. Well, like that you're saying, like the yeah. combat. Like you guys didn't think the combat was that bad. I think a lot of people yeah. who were on the Bloodborne side. You know, we're like, oh, the combat's way better here, you know, and I prefer that's one of the big things over Witcher. But I never I never really had that problem. And I played both. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, too, appreciated preparing for the fight. So well done. I haven't played Outer Wilds, but now I want to check that out. Um, I don't even know if I need to go into this too much, but we do need to talk about it because you guys are both here. I'm going to bring up a game that I put 600 hours into or more. Um, it's a little game called Monster Hunter World. I honestly think it is one of the best video games I have ever played ever. And the reason why is because even after hunting the same monster for the 40th time in a row, it is still fun to play. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And somehow they they distilled down this drug or addiction into the <laughs> game of like how to just keep attacking these monsters. Or later on when Iceborne comes out and they add things like the Clutch Claw and you have like the ability mm. to smash, you know, creatures in the face or have them run into walls and stuff. And like... It's just a beautiful game and it just keeps giving and they keep giving all these free things to you. And there's all these free monsters that show up and all this like free armor and all these weapons. And it's just like such a massive game. And it's so much fun, even more when you're playing with friends and you're coordinating and you're doing some of these hunts that used to be so hard for you. But now you crush it like it's nothing. But like, I just I adore it. It like makes me like tear up thinking about it because I loved my time with it so much uh the monster designs the music the weapons the world all of it i'm like if they could get some of the frame rate stuff once in a while which isn't that bad <laughs> if they can get some of that figured out and i want to see what a next gen monster hunter looks like 
that game and it sold like hotcakes here in the West, which is so cool because we we're joking about Yakuza earlier. They're like, mm. this isn't our first Monster Hunter game. And a lot of people here in the West are like, never really heard of you. It's like, yeah, we've been doing this for a while. And you're like, I love your stuff. You're like, I, I like this game. Um, but yeah, it just I think it streamlines a lot of the problems I've seen with the older games. But man, I just I adore Monster Hunter. And I think I'm in in like company. Am I right, boys? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, Monster Hunter. Uh, yeah. Great. Go yeah. ahead, Caden. You're, you're, you, you're, this is your <laughs> platform for, for Monster Hunter. Go for it. <laughs> this game uh, is just really special to me. Um, it's really, really, really hard to choose a game of the generation, you know, but I can probably say this is like the most special game to me of the generation. And um, for a lot of reasons, my intro to Monster Hunter was uh, Monster Hunter 3 on the Wii. I'd never heard of it before. And back then, I was still getting like Nintendo Power magazine. So I was seeing like the Monster Hunter blowouts and Nintendo Power. And I was like, what? And then just got hooked on it. And I got my brothers hooked on it because they would watch me play it. And then um, I think the year before the Switch came out, I had decided to buy a wii u um to play all the wii u games i missed out on um not that there are many of them but sure, um, yeah. there was a port of monster hunter um they do this thing with the old monster hunters where they put out the game and then like a year or two later they come out with like an enhanced version of the game that has what they call g rank and that's basically what iceborne was for monster hunter except back in the day they would release it as an entirely new game instead of an expansion um so that's what monster hunter uh, 3 ultimate was on the wii u and that game was really special to me, too, because um, that was after I'd moved out of the house after college. And um, my brother, who I used to play Monster Hunter with on the Wii, decided to get a Wii U to play Monster Hunter with me online. Um, so we probably put like 500 hours like into Monster Hunter 3 on the yeah. Wii U. And I met a couple people playing online on that game on the freaking Miiverse, which is dead now. Um, that that I'm still like, I made a friend on there that I literally talk to like every day still. Aww. And um, so, you know, I had a lot of really special experiences with Monster Hunter, but it was really like kind of like an isolated thing to like just me and like my immediate family and like nobody else I knew played it. So like to see Monster Hunter World gain the popularity it has and finally see other friends in my gaming circle get into monster hunter for the first time and finally understand what i've been like raving about for all these years has just been a really special experience and you know um like jamie i've put i don't even know how many hours i put in this game because i got it on the ps4 when it first came out because it was gonna be like a year before it came out on pc and I played like 80 to 100 hours on it. My save file got corrupted. I had to start over. And then I put like 300 hours into it. And then it came out on PC. And they don't have cross save. But one of my good friends wanted to get into the game. Uh, he'd never played it before. I wanted to give it a try. And I like had to support it. So I bought it on PC. And so I, I concurrently had these two saves going on PS4 and PC so I could play with my brothers on PS4 and play with my other friends on PC. And, I, you know, I've got like over 300 hours in like both save files. And that's how good the game is that I'm willing to like literally completely start the game over and play it concurrently on two different save files just to play with different friend groups. I've never done that for any other game. And Capcom's driving me crazy not having cross save and mm -hmm. cross platform. One of my 
my most anticipated things in the future of gaming is Monster Hunter World 2 coming out and it being cross-platform and being able to play with you guys. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of like burnt out on the game now. I don't play it anymore, but only after playing it like over 600 hours, you know? Like yep. the only bad thing I can really say about the game is that I wish there was more of it, you know? More monsters, more weapons, more maps. And I got hundreds of hours out of what is there, you know? So... Just absolutely phenomenal game. If you like action games at all, give it a shot. Probably like aside from like the final fight with Virgil and DMC three, like best boss battles in the history of gaming because every every battle is a boss battle, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just, oh god, this game. Ten out of ten. Mm-hmm. Wes, do you have anything you'd like to add to this? Yeah. Um I uh I really enjoyed Monster Hunter World also. Um, I don't have the extensive history with Monster Hunter that Caden does. Um, I started playing Monster Hunter on 3DS on Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate. Wow. That came out because I heard a lot of great things from people like, oh, yeah, Monster Hunter. And, and everybody was saying like, oh, this is the, the, the most accessible version that you can get. So I went out and I, I snagged a copy and I grabbed a, uh, I don't remember what they call those things that you can... Um, plug your 3ds into so that you actually have a um a uh like a more of a joystick <laughs> yeah the original pad 3DS. Pro, i think yeah. it's called oh my god pro. that thing was hilarious so i got a circle pad pro so that uh, i can like, you know control the camera reasonably and everything like that and i played yeah. quite a bit of that game i didn't finish it um uh but it was my introduction introduction to monster hunter and coming into world it's just like night and day, like so. You know how much yeah. you know better things are in terms of the quality of life improvements they made in World, and um, I mean it's a gorgeous game. It's uh, it's fun to run around in the. I, I love the fact you don't have to like load into the zones now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can you can just Seamless like map. run around the run around the zones wherever you want. Um, and uh, I unfortunately um, had to play the majority of the game by myself because at the time that it came out and I was playing it, um, I didn't have a lot of online friends. Now, if I were to play it, I could have a ton of people to play with um, and it would be great. But uh, I, I did um, the whole uh, campaign uh, solo for the most part. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I, uh, I thought the, the fights were great. I, I, was, I play bow mostly. Um, and I fooled around with some other stuff with uh, switch axe and uh, charge blade and some stuff like that. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, and I I enjoyed every second of it. And um, I got the Iceborne expansion, but I feel like I once I finished the campaign, I kind of like and you started getting in some of the higher tier fights. I just wasn't I didn't have the skill yet. And sure, I, didn't have, yeah. I didn't have the I didn't have the equipment uh, that I needed for it. And I wanted to play some other stuff, so I kind of like walked away from it. But mm-hmm. it wasn't because the game was bad. I, um, I just, uh, you know, I kind of had my fill. But I was like 80 hours later. Yeah, and I was gonna that's, say that's like nothing. That's nothing compared story. to like the 600 hours or whatever you guys that's put still into it. Chunky. But yeah, it was. It's a great game, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, before we move on here, uh, favorite starting with you, Wes. Favorite monster and or monster design. Oh, um, my favorite. Yeah, my favorite monster in the game is um, the uh, gosh darn it. I had it down before the it's the it's the cover monster. um, Nergigante. Nergigante. Yes. Nergigante is my favorite. 
I love Nerdy Dante. Uh, I just like the the fact that um, I had to fight him a lot because <laughs> I was really bad at fighting him. But by the time I, I finished, he was kind of like a Bloodborne boss because yeah. by the time that I did finish him, I knew all of his tells so well that mm-hmm. I, I could just, you know, wail on him a lot and um i love the fact that like he starts puffing up his spikes start coming out you know that he's about ready to to lay into you and you just hit him right boom all of his spikes get knocked off he's down you can go in and just start wailing on him and uh yeah i i really did enjoy that fight quite a bit bust off his horns and everything else mm-hmm. it's a good fight exactly Kate, how about you um you know i think the most fun i've had in a fight is specifically fighting Belkana, which is the flagship ice elder dragon for um, Iceborne, uh, but specifically fighting it with a lance. Um, I basically main greatsword for like my first 300 hours on PS4, and then I switched to lance for like my other 300 hours on PC. So uh, there's something about fighting Belkana with a lance because it has a lot of moves where it makes thrusting attacks at you with its tail so it's almost like a lance duel and there's just such a rhythm and flow to the fight um that makes it extremely fun for me um yeah i love love fighting that monster with the lance it's really fun uh i was gonna say i'm glad that you guys uh, it sounds like you both love elder dragons and when you said (laughs) Wes, when you said cover um art i was thinking i was like does he mean like rathalos or anjanath because those are like the ones we kind of saw more of and I will never forget seeing this game premiered on Sony stage and thinking that game looks God, stupid. Man. I thought it looked dumb. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's a dragon versus a T-Rex. Whoop-a-dee-doo. And then I like played it and I was like, oh my God. Um, but uh, for me too, it's like, Wes, I love Nergigante. It's got mm-hmm. like this, like almost butterfly color pattern on its back, like the purple yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Like, I, and I love that it's just like it eats other dragons, and like every yeah. time you think it's dead, it's like it's never really dead. He's like it just shows back like, up in a cinema. Yeah, it's like in cinematic, he's back. Or it's like you're fighting Zora Magdros, and it's like Nergigante's like maybe I could take a bite, and I'm like it's a moving volcano, Nergigante. Nergigante's like I'll be set for a week. Um, but yeah, I love I love Nergigante. He's like the Jason Voorhees of Monster Hunter. Dude, so, yeah, and the first time you hear that like triumphant like kind of Monster Hunter oh, the theme again is, is the music in this game. The music oh. is incredible, and like I said, hearing it when you beat Nergigante the first time, and it, you're like, okay, it feels like you beat the game when you killed Nergigante, but you haven't. Yeah. But then every monster's got like different music, and they're all every really, single monster. Like, it's has its own theme. It's like. Oh, and it's just, and they all perfectly encapsulate. Like, I'm not a fan of fighting Kushala Daura or whatever, the big kind of steel dragon yeah, with sucks. the wind. It sucks. But <laughs> the music that plays behind it is so perfectly, it does encapsulates that monster just like every other song does for every other monster. And I, I just adore the game. And it came out in 2018, which again, a lot of people were like, Spider-Man, God of War, Red Dead Redemption 2, which we didn't even really talk about tonight. But yeah. for us here at Critical Reviews, we gave Monster Hunter World our game of the year because it was a game we couldn't stop talking about. We were like, I that was just, the right decision. I'm like, I right want to keep playing it. I was like, we together. It was it pulled my friend in, Joe, who only plays like Call of Duty. He played he's played wow. hundreds of hours of Monster Hunter World. Like, that's wow. how good this game is. It was like amazing. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I just love you, Monster Hunter World. I think my fondest memory of this generation was um, I don't remember what year it was, but it was the year at E3 where they showed off Monster Hunter World for the first time and nobody knew it was coming at all. And it was always a dream of my brothers and I to get a next generation console Monster Hunter because in my opinion, playing, 
I know it started out, you know, well, it actually started out on PS2, but it gained a lot of fame in Japan portable and they love it portable over there. But for me, I hate playing it portably. And it's like, you know, the graphics on the Wii and Wii U version are basically just like ports of like mobile game looking graphics. And they're just like, oh, that next generation console Monster Hunter, like, please. Like, and we just thought it would never happen because Monster Hunter is not popular over here. Well, before this game, it wasn't. And when they showed that game, we were just like, wait, what? What? What is what is what is this? And then like you see the hunter come into frame and he's got the wyvern bone gray sword on his back. And we just like instantly knew and all like me and like three of my other brothers were like in the same room watching this and we all just like exploded. Cool. Like, it was just <laughs> incredible. That's beautiful. Nice. I love that. Yeah. We had like the, ex- the opposite reactions. Like cause I didn't <laughs> yeah. know it. And I was just like, Oh, some sort of weird game from Japan, whatever. And then I played the beta and I was like, mm, this might be something. And I had my friends play it. And I'm like, we should probably look into this. So, and yeah. then it's just history. Um, yeah. I, all great games that we, we've talked about here for the most part tonight. Like we, there's been a few kind of like, maybe not so great ones. I think I'm just going to retitle <laughs> this. just like the Sony, so, Sony's games. Yeah. We'll have to do another podcast. Hey, yeah. there, there you go. Uh, there's your, your, your uh, podcast idea for next week. You can, you can run through the, uh, Microsoft uh, stuff next, next week with your, with your next uh, next go, I would. The only problem <laughs> is, I think it's going to be very different and like focused on Disney stuff. So these uh, people okay. might not be the best people to be like. So why do you feel about Gears of War? Because like, I'm wearing my Gears of War Born to Saw shirt. Because I'm like, we'll make it to Microsoft. What a Born fool I was. Okay. Yeah, it looks kind of like Born to Love. And I'm like, yeah, because my that. chainsaw gun. <laughs> born to love thank you um anyway uh we're gonna skip time killers we're just gonna move right to the very end of the show here with community feedback and questions because there was a question here for you guys that i I did want to get to this one comes in from lodiaz my friend lodiaz over on discord he said oh you got wes and caden on that's awesome um question what made them start the great game debate discord and what game do they think are a hidden gem that everybody should play so wes let's start with you why did you guys start this thing well, um, it's interesting because actually I, I won't, I don't think either Caden or I can take the credit for yeah, uh, yeah. the great debate. Um, that all has to go out to our friend, uh, Jonah Gomez. So shout out to Jonah. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the discord was, uh, kind of his idea and he kind of brought us all together and, um, he wanted to have a place where we could all, you know, as friends kind of hang out, talk. Um, he had this idea for this, for this game club that, uh, he thought would be fun to do there as well. And so he brought Caden and I aboard, um, as, uh, to kind of like partner with him in that. And, um, so we started up and, um, we started reaching out to, to friends, um, and, uh, kind of inviting more people and it's, it's grown. Um, it's not a huge discord server, but, um, all the people there are awesome we try to keep it um, positive and fun and, um, you know, non-toxic. And uh, we, we brought in a, an additional um, additional community member, Stephen, uh, to, uh, to help us out as well. And he's, he's done great things for the, for the Discord as well. Um, his contribution <laughs> cannot be understated. And, um, yeah, it's, that's kind of, kind of the way it goes. I, I think um, – Kate and I have, have contributed, but we can in no way, shape, or form uh, take the credit for that. Kate, do you have anything you want to say? 
Yeah. Um, Take the credit for it right now. <laughs> it's, just, it's been a great experience for me because um, it, it just felt like kind of serendipitous because I've been a person traditionally in the past who's been really resistant to social media and like kind of like poo-pooed stuff like Facebook. Um, and I think when um, uh, like COVID hit, I hit, I guess, because uh, for a couple months there, I was out of work um, because you know, due to like the government mandate, my job had to close. So I was spending a lot of time at home by myself and uh, decided to get on Twitter and just kind of randomly met uh, Wes and Jonah on there. And then, you know, we'd have cool conversations about video games or whatever. And then Jonah's like, hey, why don't we start this game club? And, you know, now it's like, it's been pretty bumping. They're getting like a lot of new people recently and a lot of uh, discussion a lot of the time and got sub channels and stuff and um so you know i'm just really uh grateful for it um for the opportunity and it's just really awesome to have a community that um i can gush about something i love so much you know which i don't really get to in everyday life because not everyone i interact with is necessarily as into video games as i am and mm-hmm. i do just want to give a shout out to the community because um, it's just like kind of like uh, staggering how non-toxic the community is. Like, I don't think we've had a single instance of, of like anyone like arguing or being mean or saying cruel or rude things to other people. It's just like everyone's like a chill person who just loves video games and likes to talk about video games. And um, so yeah, it's really and other stuff. We we talk about TV. Yeah, we we talk about anime, comics. We talk about music. Yeah. We've got a whole meme and Zoom channel over there that's <laughs> <laughs> pretty fun. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. So okay, and just to wrap that up, underrated gems for both of you. Just a quick one, Wes, from you. Like if you had to just you know refer someone to a game that you think is an underrated little gem. Yeah. Can I throw out two? Yes, you can, of course. Uh, really quickly and i won't i won't like spend a, a ton of time on it but um uh first one is a plague tale innocence yes um Good pick. if you if you like uh narrative games uh narrative story driven games uh, play a plague tale it's honestly it just blew me away um, i concur i it came out of nowhere last year i saw a trailer i'm like oh this looks interesting I'll try it. I tried it on a whim and I was just floored just by how good that game is. Um, so yeah, if you like a good story uh, with great characters, uh, play a Plague Tale. And the other one is um, What Remains of Eden- Edith Finch, mm. which is an awesome indie game that will uh, hit you in the feels. Definitely. Um, a lot of uh, in like unique kind of vignette sections mm. that you play as, as, kind of living through the eyes of different characters, but every section is completely unique. Everything that you're doing is completely unique and not in the same way. Um, so um, look into uh, what remains of Edith Finch if you want to play a really good um, uh, indie game that will um, that will leave a lasting impression. Yeah, that's fantastic. Kate, how about you? Um, I feel like I have this lifelong crusade to uh, try and convert people to this uh, PS2 RPG called Radiata Stories. Um, It's one of my favorite (laughs) games ever. And when I found it, I was in a used bookstore that just happened to have a random, very tiny used video game section. I'd never heard of the game before. I just thought the box art looked cool and decided to take it home and play it. 
and it's like one of my favorite games of all time and oh. it's just a shame because when it came out um it almost feels like miraculous that it was even localized uh for the west but uh I think there was just literally no marketing for this game. Like I had never heard of it or never seen it in magazines and like pretty much everyone I've ever asked about it has never heard of it. Um, and unfortunately it's stuck on the PS2. So you have to have a PS2 to be able to play it. But fortunately, yeah. because nobody cares about it, you can get a hold of a copy really cheaply. Um, you can, uh, there have been leaps and bounds in the past couple of years in PS2 emulation on PC, so uh, it, it's fully playable on uh, the PS2 emulator for PC. Um, but uh, shout out to this guy on Twitter. His name's Eli Farmer. Um, I think he's actually a voice actor. And uh, he's been championing this game for like the past year and started like a petition to get it ported. And uh, it's been doing a lot of like marketing for that and making like trailers for the game and stuff. It's crazy how much effort oh, really? he's put into it. Um, but uh, I think he's Revive Radiata on Twitter, and the um, petition is just called Revive Radiata. So if you're interested in that, you can check it out. But I think when he first started it and I signed it, there was like less than 200 people, and now he's got like over 2,500 signatures. So it's getting there. I still kind of feel like it's just never going to get ported because kind of like, why would it ever? <laughs> but sure. I can hope. But it, it's just an incredible game. It's incredible. Like, just go look at a review of it or like a Let's Play. It's got phenomenal art style one of like my favorite video game soundtracks of all time it's got this crazy bump and like jazz soundtrack um but yeah i can't like gush enough about this game radio stories check it out cool excellent <laughs> well gentlemen i could talk to you for another three hours but uh i, I wonder if I, I if somebody made it to this point if you did you made it all the way to this point um let's just you know what hashtag Radiata stories. Uh, so that way we know you made it to the very end. And maybe it'll get a little more love, yeah. you know, on the Twitter first. <laughs> but if you who are listening to this, if you're listening to it, just an audio version or watching the actual, you know, us speaking like this little Google Hangouts call, um, you can always send in your own topics or ideas or questions or whatever with the hashtag critical podcast. You can tweet at us officially, which is at go critical, or you can tweet at me personally. I'm a Jimmy Good 013. However, if you want to tweet at one of these fine gentlemen, uh, let's start with Caden. Where can they find you? Sure. Uh, I'm on Twitter as uh, I think my handle is at Zora Caviar. It's mm -hmm. a Zelda joke. Fish, fish man eggs, Zora Caviar. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so just on Twitter pretty much. Perfect. And how about you, Wes? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Mechareka, which is M-E-C-H-A-R-E-C-C-A. -E nice. And is your Discord something that needs is it invite only, potentially, it sounds like? Uh, yeah. I think it is, I, but yeah, we're open to just like getting I, invites. It's I know not that exclusive or anything. <laughs> Jonas Jonas put the uh, put the link invite out um, openly a few times, but uh, yeah, if somebody is interested in in joining up uh, on the Discord, hit Caden or I up. Um, we'd be glad to shoot you an invite. If you just uh, toss a link in the comments on the video too. Yeah, that could work. Yeah, I was gonna say that I could do that, and yeah, almost whatever works best for you guys. Yeah, I the, be the like, Discord is called um, the Great Game Debate. So. Perfect. Excellent. Well, guys, and like I the reason I wanted you both to be on the show and I've said this before, these two guys are some of the reasons why I actually still look at Twitter um, <laughs> because like they're really usually positive and nice and understanding and they like to talk about stuff um, in, a, in a nice way. So, yeah, I would really recommend you guys go follow them. And if you should check out the Great Game Debate, if you have a chance or the inclination and if anybody from the Great Debate or the Great Game Debate 
server is listening to this hopefully they are hi thank you for listening to all this hopefully it's more game debate stuff and maybe you're like yeah this jimmy guy doesn't know what he's talking about but that's okay you stuck it out to the very end so kudos to you i'm very proud um yeah there's plenty of ways to support us but uh, patreon's got the best way and you see the names popping up here but uh yeah i just appreciate you guys being here today thank you so much uh this is so lovely i could talk to you guys each week like this this is so good and thank you for for making the time both of you no, well, thank you, Jimmy, for having me. Uh, it's honestly, uh, this is my first time doing a podcast, yes. and it's been so much fun. I've <laughs> so much. I really appreciate you having me. Yes. Caden, how, how did I score? How did we do here? Yeah, yeah. Similarly, first time on a podcast, we had an absolute blast, just unadulterated, like, gushing about video games for three hours. So, but yeah, I've had a, a amazing time. It's been great. And, uh, you know, I... All your feelings about us are mutual, Jimmy. You're oh, just an uh, awesome person, and uh, you're a, probably the a most font awesome of positivity. And, yeah. And, uh, if anyone uh, wants to check out, you know, Jimmy's streams, I highly encourage it. It's extremely fun experience, just like chilling with a friend, playing a fun game, having a good time. So, oh, it's extremely personal because I will, if anything, you if you write something, there's a really good chance that I will immediately respond to it. I'm yeah, like, yeah. oh, how are you doing? Um, yes, I appreciate that, guys. It's it's so nice to meet you. And uh, you guys are podcast professionals. If this is your first oh, time, thanks. both of you, you guys did a great <laughs> job. Isn't, isn't it easy? People do this. They're just doing it all the time. See, it's just like we're just talking. Quit my day job. Quit your day job. Let's just all just podcast forever. Yeah. Um. <laughs> But I appreciate it again, you guys. And hopefully, if you guys are interested, I'd love to have you back on the show sometime. So, oh yeah, I'd love oh that. anytime, that would be awesome. And maybe we'll do it before like the PlayStation Five is wrapping up, um, and then we're talking about all the great <laughs> PlayStation Five <laughs> games that are yeah. like God of War Two was good, but God of War Three really knocked it out of the park. Like God of War Turbo Ragnarok, you're like, uh, like oh, it was so good. Um, yeah, but again, thank you guys for being on, and thank you for listening. Until next time, everybody, love and hugs. Be nice out there to one another. And just remember to adapt and overcome. Bye-bye.